Knock gets too busy with putting nuts in his mouth. Oh. <laughs> Typical Saturday night for Knock. Oh, oh, it's a Sunday, by the way. Oh, you know, Sunday night, Sunday night. It's all the same thing. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Whoop, whoop. Here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. USA! Yeah, it was. Hey. Yeah, it was. I know. It's like spring is sprung. All over. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, we're in February, so that's our spring. Yeah, well, it's cold, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I am tall. Mm. Okay. okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brandon, and I am wide. No, you're not. Okay. You're white. <laughs> you're definitely white. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're the whitest whitey in here. Ginger. <laughs> and uh, running the board tonight, it's Bagel. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you had it and then you lost it. I just I got nothing. Okay. I can't wait to see what's coming next. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> On the classy girl couch, classing it up, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. Here's Emma. Uh, and I'm getting terribly fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm packing on the pounds. Yes. The winter chub. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely well, the winter chub. Also, sliding in on the classic girl couch tonight. Wow. Oh. Feeling pretty special, aren't you? What do I do to deserve such luxury? It's knock. What's <laughs> up, y'all? How you guys doing? And over on the train side of the room. Choo choo. Henry. Hey, what's up? And uh, we got Jim coming a little bit later, um, but he's got some stories to share. He's cranking one out right now. Dude, he's been riding nonstop. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, he's a fiend on that bike. It's Just remember when he first started coming here on his like beach cruiser? Like, you know, <laughs> he's upgraded. I know. I know. <laughs> From a flat Wait, Jim hat? started coming here on a beach cruiser? Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His daughter came around here, and then Jim... Decided to come and check this place out. No kidding. He's really yep. come a long way. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, he, started out. He, he rode six hours today, didn't he? Something like that. He rode all weekend. And then this morning he went and rode again. He, uh, he came in here with a flat bill hat. And now today I saw him uh, with a really nice climb vest. <laughs> like super tactical. He's got pouches and pockets and shit. Yeah, I almost wondered if it was one of those inflatable ones for when you crash. Oh, yeah, like mm-hmm. your bag. Mm-hmm. So, hey, guys, I have um, an announcement to make. Actually, I got a bunch. I'm just going to get them all out of the top. Who, who's, who's the baby daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Night bananas are powerful. Which one of the bikes was it? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> we know you've been sleeping with your bikes again, mm-hmm. Liza. Mm. Um, so, big, this is actually a pretty big announcement. B.I.G.? Uh, yeah. Wurwur has gone around the world and is finished. Wow. Close the loop, son. It ended in Dubai um, Mm. this weekend. Well done, everyone. Uh, Pretty big deal there. They had a huge event. Um, the like the local government like the sports council got involved. They were showing uh, footage of them out on the ride. 50 women. Mm. Um, But leading them were like eight cop cars. Some of them were like Sports cars, hmm. oh, like like yeah, Lamborghinis. yeah, like Lambo, Audi A8. police car. One of them driven by a woman, yeah. police police woman. Because it's Dubai. Now is all of mm-hmm. that fairly new over there, though? Women driving in Dubai and stuff. 
Uh, that's or is Saudi that more Arabia advanced? is what you're thinking of. Okay. <clears throat> um, so I just wanted to give some quick stats. I mean, you guys remember when I first said that we were setting out to do this thing, and a lot of people thought we were crazy, including ourselves, that we gave, our, gave ourselves six months to organize a global event. It's fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <clears throat> but we did 79 countries. We had 3,528 registered riders. Um, it went on for 333 days Whoa. and covered approximately 102,000 kilometers. Wow. Yeah. 65,000 miles. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so what the, an achievement. Uh, Haley has flown down to Dubai. She's there. She got to ride with them there and is picking up the baton, taking it back to England, where I'm going to be there in two weeks for our grand finale. Um, <clears throat> a couple other really cool things. Um, when we covered South America, Bolivia, we had to cut them from the schedule. And we actually, uh, Michelle flew down from here. And had to go pick up the baton and and fly to the next country because of conflict or something. There or? was a conflict yeah. and they closed the borders. That, well, Whoa. that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> well, last week the Bolivia women they completed the ride. Oh, was, so they in lieu. Nice. They still they they wanted to do it so bad as a supplement. Even yeah. though we didn't have the baton to pass, they went from border to border and they did their portion of the ride. Hell yeah, dude! That's cool. That'll mm-hmm. work. Fuck it. Yeah, it was really amazing to see how much it meant to women around the world right? Um, who picked up on this same thing and to see that baton that I held that was here, you know, in this studio and how see the women in Africa and the women in you know, the Middle it's, East and holding that same baton with, with pride. It's probably got coronavirus on it. The now. same baton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, made, that baton made from the same wood. As the uh, lighthouse and your uh, dildo here, as the yeah, it's the lighthouse, the custom carved dildo made now, from the same wood. This dildo is actually interesting. Bagel and I were were paying some close attention it's to it the, the other day. It's glow in the dark, and it has a sight glass. So it when does. you shine your like your cell phone up yeah. in here, this little tiny nubbin, it looks like a cancer nodule <laughs> on the balls, uh, shines a light up onto the logo, which is on the underside of the mm-hmm. shaft. It's, a yeah. it's rather impressive yeah. thing. If this is a lighthouse. It's the largest penis lighthouse I've ever seen. It was detailed. Yeah. Somebody well cared making that dildo. Yeah, there was originally an LED light that went in there and yeah. you turn it on. And <laughs> nice. So, all right, before you guys completely derail it. So Sorry. I just wanted to be, give a big thanks to all the people, all the women who par- participated, all the sponsors, everyone who supported. Um, and, and the men who accompanied us, who mm-hmm. didn't expect to be welcome, but were. Um we had so much support everywhere made the news the newspapers all over the world it's been incredible and i'm kind of glad i mean it's done i'm i'm done i said i retire in february yeah. and, mm-hmm. and i am stepping out of where where it's going to continue on uh there's new people coming in but um, How is it continuing? <clears throat> if they've completed the the global ride, mm-hmm. what's next? Well, there's different things. So um, one thing we did is we started Ripple Relays. So mm-hmm. not only did the baton global baton come through the U.S., but there was also a, we call it Ripple Relay, just in the U.S. that covered all 50 states. Oh. There was another baton that just went through uh, U.S. There was mm-hmm. another one that went just through Canada. And Got it. 
and Malaysia and a lot of these countries had mm-hmm. um, their own side um, mm-hmm. relay. And mm-hmm. They could take as long as they wanted to include as many people Very in that cool. country. So we had ripple relays, including some countries that didn't part- participate in the global. So um, they're going to continue doing that. And they're creating some new things like challenges, uh, a series of challenges for people to accomplish, stuff mm. like that. Continuing the goal to <clears throat> help create new riders through inspiration and, and help to create better riders through education. Yeah. That kind Ooh. of stuff. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah. So. Yes. Fuck the haters. <laughs> Just going to say that real quick. <clears throat> so uh, some other announcements. Oh, we're, we're This is kind of exciting. Um, all like the baton and a lot of the so everyone who participated signed a sheet of paper. We have many sheets of paper, mm-hmm. many from around the world. Everyone who participated, um, all of the artifacts um, have been gathered, and they're going to go into two museums. <clears throat> oh, cray! And here's here's a clip, uh, dude. Where museum? Both of these museums are in Birmingham. Oh wow! Nice. Mm. So home of the Peaky Blinders. No, one of them is Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama, oh. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. And one of them is Birmingham, England. Right. Okay. So one's probably the National Motorcycle mm-hmm. Museum. Mm-hmm. And Birmingham, Alabama is... Uh, what's in Birmingham? Is it the Barber? Barber. The Barber. Oh, yeah. wow. <clears throat> so I'm, uh, I don't know if Barber has confirmed yet, but the one in, uh, in England has confirmed. Great. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of pretty cool too. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's a natural home for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Haley just loved the fact that <laughs> there's two motorcycle museums in Birmingham. Yes. Yeah. So big deal. Um, another announcement. So <clears throat> yes, I am. Um, I'm stepping out of Worwer, but I have new projects, and I've already mentioned May second, hmm. the Santa Cruz. Moto Film Festival. Which is going to be great. Um, if you don't attend, don't worry. Um, we'll attend on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Rev Sisters is the name of uh, the new business I've started. RevSisters.com. You can find the link to the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. We are looking for submissions. We need films. So you can go to RevSisters.com and you can find the link to submit there. And uh, I've been having to, my job now has been scouring Vimeo and YouTube and, and the internet and finding short films. Hmm. Um, so, and I'm then emailing people and inviting them to submit. So that's been my new job, watching movies. It really sucks, by the way. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Why are most of them like terrible or? No, no, they're great. Hmm. Um, I found ones from Singapore and Indonesia and all over the world. And, you know, the one thing that I really enjoy is that even though these are different countries, different cultures completely, mm. you still kind of get the same, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You see a bike show in Singapore, mm-hmm. it's not that much different than a bike show. Yeah, I've noticed that traveling too. Here, right. you know, you're going to see the same things It's and it's, you feel like not just like oh it's just the same thing over and over but like these are my people anywhere yeah. I go these are right. my people I get this world <clears throat> you know I'm part of the thing with us misfits and it, it it's absolutely true I don't want it to sound like a cliche but we are all very very different people mm-hmm. 
and we all lead very, very different lives. Yep. But the one thing that binds us all together is this, just this visceral love of motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all we're interested in, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, we don't care who you are, where you came from, who you voted for. None of that matters. What matters is, do you like motorbikes? Yes, you're one of us. Mm. If you don't like motorbikes, well, you'd probably do better finding somewhere else to hang out. Unless you're like, you're a real Nazi. We, we don't want you guys. Well, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> no, but it's really cool to see the different cultures. Um, the only place that is extremely different that I find in, in the style and taste is Japan. Hmm. Oh, man. Well, the you seen, which they're is, very which is different over there. Have you seen yes. the Yakuza? Uh, not the Yakuza, the Bosozokuba? Yes. Oh, yeah. They have the giant seat tails on the back. Yeah. And I. Oh, yeah. I could say some things that could get me in big trouble. Like, but they're just over the top, absolutely insane. But you know, the bigger crazy. the seat back, the more respect well, you get because and, well, and, of and something. You have, I don't know. And you have like like six foot tall exhaust pipes that are coming right. up at yeah. like a, yeah. a, a, like a seventy degree angle at the back of the bike. You know, the motorcycles aren't the craziest thing that the Japanese guys that are into engines yeah. uh, do. Trucks. Have you seen those? Yeah, the trucks oh, yeah. and the vans. Yep. they have things that look like. Like giant robot things. I don't right. know. I have an extremely yeah. vibrant and strange and off the wall uh, <clears throat> motorsport, motor related culture. Yeah. Scooters too. All that. So yeah, it's been really, really fun. Um, and I showed you guys a, a neat video today. Oh, that was so that great. I'm not sure where that was. Maybe like Indonesia it or looked, Philippines? It maybe? looked Indonesia, Philippines, that sort of Southeast Asia area. But they were all on scooters. Yeah, you miss us not. It was a really creative group of, <laughs> of kids on, what are these? They're like moped scooter, yeah, whatever they're I mean, riding they're probably in. probably 125cc like, scooters. Yeah. I'm going to say that it might... I'm gonna were, just they, were they drag racing? Oh, no, even better, even no. better. So it was on a, not really a track, but it was like some roads and there was dirt and there was paved. I think those but, are public roads in whatever country I think that was. so. So they were all <laughs> racing, but it was sped up. So it looked like they were going fast and they were actually playing the audio track from a MotoGP. Yes. Oh, I've seen yes. that. Yes, yeah, and they the, cut uh, it up so that the kids were kicking each other off of the track and oh, things yeah, like yeah. that as I the see, crashes were happening. Oh, <laughs> yep. The flames from the, Vin, Vin, the Ducati of Vinales, they're trying to get him back on the track. Like, and then was, the kid officials go and pick up the guy that crashed his bike, so, pick him up and chuck him into a river. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for crashing your bike, bro. I've seen that. Yeah. Anyway, it was really clever. So, yeah. So May 2nd, um, Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. And if you have a film or know of a good film, um, submit it for us to play if yeah, if you know of it you have to make sure that the uh, the owner of it submits it but um that's what we're looking for we're looking for films um yeah. one more announcement uh, yet another thing i'm working on you got all kinds another of shit, thing <clears throat> yeah all kinds. Well, actually i'm working on a lot of things liza doesn't sleep i don't <laughs> it's the sleep apnea uh, actually well actually uh i was just showing emma another project i've taken on is um for the first time making a documentary and uh, i've got Four terabytes of media that I have to go through and and turn into a documentary. Four terabytes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Wow. At what, hang on, at what resolution is it? Like 4K footage? 
it's pretty a lot of it's high it's very high resolution okay stuff. okay if it's 4k footage it's not that bad if you're well it's photos it's audio it's oh my gosh no that it's is two so two camera much. angles of what the stuff happened here <clears throat> or the uh, uh, chickastan happening in your mom's bedroom Oh, okay. Okay, cool. You the Chickasaw trip I did two and a half years ago. Yeah, we had a film Finally, crew yeah. filmed it, and um, I just got say, a hold man. of the one of the other women was gonna um, t- turn you know make the film, but then life happened mm-hmm. and she never got to it. So right. I got her to give it to me, and it's it's a, probably the biggest challenge I've ever taken on. Are you going to try and at least get part of it finished for the film festival? No, <laughs> not even part of it. So do you have a director slash editor? Or is it all just going to be you? You need somebody to help. You it's do me that? learning as much as I can. So uh, Tiffany Camhai is working on it with me. So oh, cool. Tiffany Camhai, who's she's been on the oh she show, went on the trip too, right? And she was on that's the trip, right. and she's oh, a journalist. Yeah, fucking let her roll with it, man. Well, she's you know I mean? never done film. She's audio, so she's working Same with thing. it, working on it with me to make sure that we develop a good storyline. Mm. And then I have to learn how to edit and try and put it all together, but. Mm. It's hard. So, anyway, that ties into, um, we recently announced uh, Chickastan 2020 is happening. Nice. So, I'm doing another group of women riders to Pakistan, and this is going to be August 30th to September 12th. Mm. Um, You can go to adifferentagenda.com, or you can email me here. Um, but a different agenda.com will get you to all of the rides, not just ours, but uh, like Bagel's gone before. He has many different rides that he's doing. Um, but for any women interested in coming on Chick Stan, we're going to have 16 women on this one. And we're doing a little bit different uh, route. <clears throat> um, you know, one of the things, and Bagel, you, you've been there, you know, we're there to prove that we're not afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Right. Well, this route we're doing is actually taking us over to the west side through Peshawar. Oh, cool. Which is right near Afghanistan, and there's where uh, the Taliban came in and slaughtered 120 kids at a school. Mm. Many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so for me, it's like, oh, this is is a new area. This is, uh, yeah. Are you going to uh, Chitral as well? Yes, I believe so. Oh, nice. Yes. And I think we're going to go to the polo fields. Oh, and Chandur. Chandur top. Yeah. Cool. So, Chikistan is happening. Um, You guys, I know you guys already know this, but I just, I always like to share my, my, uh, my AliExpress purchase. Oh, yeah. You get some good stuff on there, too. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> well, sometimes, sometimes you get crap on there. Have you? Sometimes. Have, did you, you, saw, you saw this? I saw those. They so look the lighter than air, <laughs> they look great. <laughs> it's the first shoe that you could fold into a paper airplane, and, All right. and it'll like, fly. Fly pretty good. So here's the deal: I couldn't resist because I love going in there and typing in "Evil Knievel." Right. Okay. See what's there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found these. They they appear to be like. Converse style high top sneakers. Oh, the genuine Converse, they're of course. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, they're black with Evil Knievel, the big number one. It says Evil Knievel motorcycles. Let me see the thing again. Um, how could I resist? Right? It was like twenty eight bucks. So light, <laughs> and it comes in the mail. Brandon, how did you just describe it? So when you put it on my hand and then you let go, 
I felt like the shoe got lighter. <laughs> no, everyone puts their hand. I put their hand. I put the shoe in, and you, their hand goes up because you're expecting there to yes. be some weight. Yeah. yeah, it is the weight of a f- one flip flop. Yes, right. <laughs> I think a flip flop weighs more than this. I, I agree. <laughs> right. Like I had my sandals on this morning. They definitely weighed more than so, that shoe. Would you guys agree? Like from a few feet, it looks like a Converse sneaker. Yes, from a uh, few feet, legit looks like a Converse sneaker. They, yeah. There are some quality yeah, issues with it, though. Yeah. Like the definitely. fact that it weighs a half an ounce? Yeah. And, it, you know, if you if you see where, the, like, the sole is glued onto the side, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little choppy. <laughs> I normally have issues with sizes. This actually fits. Wow. Um, okay. Have you but, worn them for a bit? No. <laughs> but it does appear to be made of foam. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a super light, high-performance shoe. <laughs> It's uh, single use weight, weight savings. You, you can know? jump higher with it, right? <laughs> exactly. <God. laughs> it's, it's the air chuck. So yeah, yeah. Chi- China strikes again. <laughs> but in that same shipment, I did get a new pair of uh, dirt biking gloves uh, for six bucks. And they feel super comfortable. No, no, yeah. I mean, sometimes you know, I would say the biggest win is the underlayers that Those, I keep getting from them. Yeah, the underlayers. Uh, several episodes back, you let me borrow two sets. One was an American set. One was a Chinese set, and I have been wearing them pretty extensively now. For so months. I don't know whose underwear you're wearing. I only gave you one set. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, maybe I took an extra set home. I don't know. But I'm gonna stop you there. Can we actually explore this concept of Brandon wearing Liza's underwear? <laughs> if we could explore that a little, I mean, this is something. It's already got dick you, holes in do you it. Like, so. Do you like the sil- silky feel against your skin? Well, oh, no. I like it when it's nice and tight. Well, okay. Okay, very good. <laughs> the spandex, the spandex uh, under, underwear heat so, stuff is great. Let's just. Let's just go back. So what we're talking about is underlayers, and it's basically like a spandex bodysuit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually checked it today. It's 90% polyester, 10% spandex. Okay. Uh, long sleeve top and then long bottoms. Correct. Um, I have found, as a rider, um, they keep me warmer when mm-hmm. it's cold. Cooler when it's hot. Cooler when it's hot. And also, I like wearing them when I'm dirt biking because I wear the um, the knee pads mm-hmm. underneath mm-hmm. that can chafe your skin. Yep, and but not with that on. There. Doesn't mm-hmm. bother me at all. These would be great for wearing at the track um, or when you're touring. Yeah, exactly. So, and they cost uh, twenty I, to thirty bucks. Yeah, I think or, the American ones were twenty to thirty bucks, but the Chinese ones you had two different sets. One was like six. And the other was like twelve, and I think mm. I have the the six to eight dollar set or something. I don't think it was that cheap. Or maybe seven seventeen. Okay. Or maybe, maybe ten ninety nine. Yeah. Anyway, whatever it was, <laughs> the price difference to me doesn't seem to make any difference in the quality or how I feel when I'm riding. It's super comfortable, like you said, in all of the different types. Yeah, I'd say if you're gonna buy anything, oh, you guys are dismantling it. So there's an insole. Whoa! In that they ship? ripped it apart. Yeah, hey. there is an insole. Is it any lighter without that? Uh, <laughs> so yeah if you're gonna buy anything on aliexpress uh for you know to use while motorcycling i find those underlayers right are actually really useful is uh, it aliexpress or bang good <laughs> <laughs> they all have it they oh, all okay. have it but uh i would avoid any shoes Especially these. One hundred percent avoid any shoes. <laughs> these are these are going to be. Uh, they're going on the wall. 
Uh, you could turn these into some slippers, man. I'm really curious how long gonna go they on the would wall. last. Right. I give it like one week of actual use. Yeah, they're going to go on the shelf here just to be cool. <laughs> I Very know. good. I know. Wait, look. I tried. Um, what else do we got going on? I got the Chickstown. I got the Film Festival. China Strikes Again. And you talk about uh, what we did today at all? We do today, Knock. Oh, I, uh, we, uh, I attempted to change a tire. The first time using the Nomar tire changing tool. Uh, Nomar tire changing well, tools rock. Using the Harbor Freight tire changer that was donated to the garage. Yeah, mm. uh, Brian, you're a legend. Thank well, you for thank that, you. buddy. It worked out fantastically. The problem was, uh, <laughs> so we wait. were doing tube tires. Yeah. So and and so in addition to that. You had me buy the Nomar tire changer. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's just like a long bar, and it's got these tips on one end. Uh, they're made out of nylon, and they're effectively they're just like a pry bar, and that helps remove the tire from the rim. Uh, it's one end's got two prongs, and the other end's got like one pointy one. Mm-hmm. Right. So most people are used to the spoons that mm-hmm. we call them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you have the three spoons that you use to the tire off and it can be damaging to the frame or to the to the rim it can mm-hmm. if you don't so know what you're doing instead yeah. by mm-hmm. using this no more tire changer as he said which is a, a steel pole but it has these nylon protrusions on the end mm-hmm. so that they aren't going to hurt anything um it also came with a bunch of the lube to use mm-hmm. a little spray bottle mm-hmm. an, extra, an extra tip exactly so um i have some new tires for the africa twin and for the klr 650 mm-hmm. and i got the same one same set of tires for both it's the now i'm blinking what did the i get shinko something sums 805 yeah the shinko 805s they actually get really good ratings you know it wasn't that long ago that people said don't put shinkos they're just cheap so depends right? what kind of tires but, you get. But the Shinko I, 805s get well, good reviews. I, I had Shinko 805s on my Stelvio mm-hmm. in the dry. They were fine, but as soon as it got wet, like I would just lose traction like it was nothing. Mm. So Sounds that, about right. On the did you ever though. take your Stelvio off-road? Uh, I kind of took it off a dirt path. It was fine. Why did you have those tires if you were not going off-road? It came with the bike. There it is. So I don't think the problem so much is that you had Shinkos. It was that you were never going off road. You had you needed road road tires. Yeah, I mean these are yeah, like fifty fifties. That's fair. Yeah, but right. like in the wet on the road, I wouldn't trust them personally. But sure, you don't ride in the wet. I don't ride in the wet, but I am going to be taking it off road. Yeah, and so that's going to be necessary. So, so yeah, so we got to use the tire changer, and we learned some. Well, what lessons. it was is like it's just easier to use tire irons on tube rims, mm-hmm. and um, like the first one took us thirty minutes plus. Yeah, like it was the rear tire, which is supposed to be the easier one, you know, and then like the other one, the front tire, like took us two minutes. Just using a fork, or using the spoons. What took us the longest time was finding the valve removal tool. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so when I went home, and I gave the garage my uh, extra valve core remover. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah. But and we had, an extra uh, irons, too. But it's going to come in handy. I think I'll get better at it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, especially, it's what was nice about that tire chain tool is that it holds the tire nice and solid mm-hmm. and it's like right at your chest instead of having to fuck around with it on the ground and you know balance off the road yeah. or whatever so 
And Emma, you had you were helping some of the kids on yes. their bikes. So yes. Thomas has that CB five hundred. Oh God, we got that running very well. So there was he was having issues at first. There were some major issues. With there that. were flames coming out of the pipes. Yes, Whoa. awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We that's started, sick, bro. and that's, so that was his turbo system. <laughs> yes. So when we arrived, when I arrived this morning, there was just it. It wasn't even running yet. We started up, and there was flames <laughs> chucking out the. <laughs> oh my god! So, um, first things first is we did the the plug wires correctly because he'd got well. like there's two coils <laughs> on a four cylinder bike mm, and he'd got the right hand coil going to cylinders one and two and the left hand oh. coil going to two and three uh to uh three and four which is that you makes know makes sense to somebody who doesn't right. know and so yeah so we did the one and four and two and three and that helped but it still was just revving like crazy so that explains the fire the yes. unburnt fuel from a lot of unburnt fuel yeah. Um, and then he'd gone through the carburetors and he'd set them up. He'd set them up well, but he'd set them up in such a way that everything was at the end of its adjustment. So no matter how far you screwed down the um, idle screw, the bike was still revving like right. crazy. So I set all that up and I actually synced the carbs just visually. And that really helped. And then I set up the air screw and did the timing and just got it and it got it runs good okay um mm. the biggest problem with it is it's a problem that's extremely common with vintage honda fours is um the front caliper is seized and yeah, it's a single puck yeah it's a single puck and the the pad the puck is actually seized in the caliper yeah with mm. had that issue yeah um with very little ways of getting that out and so i said to him look go on to four into one buy yourself a knockoff caliper they're they're not massively expensive i told him i want a shot at it next week yeah you, you know what you might be able to get it out but this you've yeah. got so few options of how to actually get to it but the thing I love about these old Hondas and things like these calipers, it's all just simple mechanical things. And almost yeah. everything you can get in there and and restore everything. You're, yes. You weren't able to get the puck out just by squeezing the brakes on. Huh, oh, God, no. It, no. it is solid. Solid mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, bummer. Dissimilar metals. You know, it's always oh, the same yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Is it so? The caliper's made out of an aluminum alloy. Um, so yeah. that's metal number one. The brake pad is has got a steel backing plate. That's mm -hmm. metal two, but it's got a zinc coating on it. So that's metal three. So you've got three dissimilar metals all acting against one another, and they've just welded themselves into a huge blob. So, yeah. um, but does the, cali the caliper comes off, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know if you try this. Yeah, I'm going to do my method of first um, taking off the... Um, the, the caliper, right? Yes. And then putting it into the vise and trying to squeeze the piston in to get movement. Right. And then putting air pressure on it and, and trying I to did try that with a G-clamp, with a okay. woodworking G-clamp, yeah. which is, you know, usually is good to start, and it wasn't budging with that, but mm. it might budge with the vise. Yeah, I put uh, a socket, large, a large yes. socket in there to push against it. Mm. And if you can push it in... Then a little bit, yeah, you might. And, yeah. and then and lube it up, and then sometimes you can shoot it out. Yeah. 
um, with the air pressure. We'll see. But that'd be nice. But but he was explaining that the the pad was fused. I'm like, um, those pads though, aren't they just kind of just sit in there? Like, if you can get it knocked out, isn't it just a like one hole that it just drops down in? Yeah. Yeah. If you can get it out, yeah. I mean, it's a mess. It's as bad as I've ever seen. But you know, we might be able to do it. Something, yeah. something's gonna give. Unless the piston—I mean, if the piston is completely toasted, which sounds like it is—if it's right. fused, so chances it's- are it's not going to be saveable. Because trying to get a piston is just as hard as getting an old caliper. You see, what I'm leaning towards is something's got to give mm-hmm. and you either trash the pads getting it out and buy a new set of pads which is for a decent quality set of pads is about 30 bucks mm-hmm. or you get the caliper the knockoff caliper from uh, i don't know four into one in south san francisco we do a lot of honda sparks and how much do you think that runs well, i don't think they're that much more because we i had- think they're about not look one up right now. Mm. Go into four into one mm. and look up a front caliper for a CB500. So, because we had a guy in here with a CB550 years ago, yeah, and he had a same problem. He thought it was seized, it wouldn't come out, and um, oh, I gotta remember <laughs> this is so funny. So, he went and bought a new caliper, and it was like two, three hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, genuine one. And then, we, and then he put that on, and it still wouldn't work. And we found out that on the banjo bolt, he was not using a banjo bolt. For the whole entire caliper? He was using or a solid bolt. Oh, oh, man. So no fluid could move through. Yeah. That would be an expensive mistake. Uh, yeah. Hmm. How are um, we doing, Nock? Did we find one? Yeah, well, on Amazon. Yes. Uh, How much? Hold on, hold on. Get in there. 89 bucks. Okay. So I'm kind of inclined... 89 bucks, you're going to get a caliper. Yeah. Oh, it comes with pads. comes with pads. comes it with com- seals. Yeah, no, it comes with everything you need. entire fucking front caliper. And that is being sold by four into one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I mean, it's Chinese stuff, but it's actually not bad quality. And what you get in the kit... I mean, just for the piston and the pad, it's worth Right, it. exactly. So for 89 bucks, you get the caliper mm-hmm. itself. You get... The bleed nipple and the little rubber Johnny that goes on the bleed nipple. Mm-hmm. You get new bolts with washers. You get a piston, a seal, and new brake pads. So pretty much like a everything you need. Yeah. So it's, it's 90 bucks free see, shipping. Uh, let's see go eBay real quick here. You know, um, I think that's going to be the way forward for him. Yeah. So, the, uh, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. Um <clears throat> but I tell you what, that bike sounds good. It really does. I'll tell you what. What? Chicken I, butt. I, you know, it's been a while since we've done this. I threw out a challenge tonight. Oh yeah, you did. Well, I threw then. out a challenge, and I think it's time. C'est le challenge, un challenge. Craigslist dueling Craigslist porn. Porn pick, pick of, of the, the week. week. So, for people who don't remember how this works. <laughs> Dueling uh, porn pick means um, there's, I think, Bagel, Knock, and I. We're going, the three of us against each other. Who can find the best deal? So, Emma, Henry, and Brandon, you guys get to be the judges here, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. The category 
is is classic bike. Which I mean, is a very broad spectrum. It is broad. What defines classic bike? Anything I'm going for the basic well, 25 years older. So anything made 1995 before 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, there are bikes after that which you could define as classic mm. by the fact of what they are. Um, just because of the ride style and the look? Yeah, and you know what? Just the Classic look. Exactly. All right. But let's stick with pre-1995. Mm. All right, so, Nock, you have two? Yes. I've got three. Bagel, how many oh, do you have? Oh boy. I have three. Okay. Um, uh, do we have to narrow it down to one? Uh, let's pick our best two. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'm going to pull out the one that I think is the overall winner because I'm going to throw that down after the competition. I bet mm-hmm. you. I, bet you I got two and okay. I got one on my phone here. Okay. All right. Just two. We're doing two. Pick your best two. All right. All right. All right. <clears throat> All right. To the panel here. Okay. We're going with classic bike. <laughs> yes. Now, for me, that means a bike that somebody would be getting to restore or to show, yes. or to go to a vintage event, vintage. something like that, right? Yes. Oh shit! Um, I didn't. I didn't hear that part of the fucking rules. What? Well, just I just. I'm oh, saying man. to me, that's hey, what a classic bike dun- is. Don't get yeah. panties in a twist, knock. Yep. So for lost, my first, you haven't lost yet. Okay. For my first bike, <laughs> yes. I have here a 1986. Yes. YZ 250 dirt bike. Yes. Mm-hmm. This bike. Nine hundred dollars, and it is clean. Mm. I'm going to send around. You guys can look at the pictures here. Now there are a lot of people who are really into vintage dirt bikes, not just to show them, but to race them. Yep. So there's a huge calling for these. It's not, and the funny thing, it's not like hipsters buying these. These are old guys buying them and racing them, right? Because this is what they raced back in the day. And I think this bike is a contender for that. That class. is an off-road only motorcycle, correct? That is for sure. To show it is a Meh. classic bike. Meh. You got to share it, Brandon. Meh. You got to share it. I know it's so pretty, though. I know this is clean, especially for a classic dirt bike. So many of these are it's too pretty, ridden hard. That, that's some white plastic on there. All right, wait. You're not a judge. Pass it. <laughs> Pass it on. All right. Right. Okay. Well, the, I'm just saying, it's clean. <laughs> okay. So, uh, that's a, that's a rest down I have, man. Well, they're looking at that. You want to present your first pick? Me? Yeah, you. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, my first porn pick, and I I had decided to go by the bucket CC rule, um, okay. as our Uncle Phil has taught us well. Uh, and I found a 1990 Honda CBR 1000F. Ooh. For $1,000. Oh, it's, it's a hurricane. Yes. Ooh. And this is here. I uh, decided to look here in the Bay Area. This is in the Oakland Hills mm. Mills area. Okay. It says, selling my project. Ranwin parked. Uh-oh. <laughs> but not well. <laughs> nice. Not running now. <laughs> okay. Has, has been parked for 10 years. Yikes. Ooh. Current non-op. That's nope. good, at least. <laughs> Comes the spare bodywork, gas tank, and other parts. No trades as is. So, okay, but I have a question CC. for the judging. Like, porn photos don't require functionality, right? So we're looking at... 
which one of these bikes looks the best for the price? Not necessarily. Well, well, I, I should what's like, the best deal? We're trying to find the best deal. That's the whole right. point of a point. So, I should so, like yeah, to yeah, point out. Deal can have, can I point out that that pretty YZ that Liza showed us is also not running and has sit for many years? Oh, you, I was gonna, you left that out. I, gonna, I thought that was a Miller. running dirt bike. So, what's going on here, Miller? I'm also going to point out something else. It's missing the title. Ooh. Well, it's a dirt bike. It's I a mean, dirt bike. Yeah. Well, still, you can have a title for a dirt yeah. bike. You, yeah, you can you have a title. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, judges, keep that in mind. Judges, keep that in mind. That's okay, Knox. All right. So, he, so we got, he's, that's a pretty cool. It is a cool bike. Liza's illusion of a cool bike is sort of like disintegrating here. All right. Knock. I am. I am going for practical, usable. Yes. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I got yeah. I got two to choose for. They're both the same kinds of bikes. Yes, I'm gonna go for the uh, this one here. Yes, it's a. Uh, I don't see what year it is, but I'm thinking it's like a yes, early nineties or, or something like that. It's a Yamaha 750 Max. Oh, you know what they're great for? Going to the Taylor Dane concert. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Some eight, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then the Wilson Phillips what? show afterwards. Yes! <laughs> 19,000 miles. Okay. Top of the line model. So the cam chain's gone. Yep. All accessories are genuine Yamaha windshields, side cases, top box, highway pegs, crash bars. Runs great. New EGM battery and a K&N filter. Wow! 950 bucks in Culver City. Mm, not bad. So here it is. As far as practicality and a deal that you could have and buy and pull up to a uh, not so many people show. collecting those. Mm. They're not They're a collector bike, but it's a classic competing bike. with bagels because I just saw bagels and that is a good looking thousand dollar bike. I want a bike that runs. I could give hardly that's a fuck a very, all about that's a very going fair. to shows. You know, I tell you what, this Maxim is a good looking bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the yellow one here, which is like I'm still leaning towards a Hurricane myself. All right. Well, I have I have another one here. Now we're hitting our next round. Mm. I have here again. When you're talking about a classic bike, a collectible bike, right? That will only go up in value for five hundred dollars, y'all. Five hundred dollars. Because you can't go any lower than that. I have a 1978. Honda CB550K. Oh, I was actually looking at that one. Now you've piqued my interest. Hold on. With a Vetter Windjammer fairing. (gasps) What? Yep, yep. Condition is fair. The motor sounds good, although it does smoke a bit and has an oil leak. This could be a real gem to someone who has the skills to to restore it to its former glory. Clean title. Expired Ooh. registration. Mm-hmm. Oh man, how, how many, many years, years ago did that expire? You're gonna end up paying like five thousand in back well, rent. With, with classics, you can you can. So this is in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Oh, that's okay. They have different things. So, but this is a Emma, a CB550 for five hundred dollars. Oh yeah. Now, now, hang on. I just want to point out, Liza has once again folded over the description of the bike and given me only the photos. <laughs> Now I'm going back to the description here because she's given me this beautiful image of this wonderful bike, but does it... I don't believe her anymore. Whose phone is this? I read it to you. I read it to you. So, CB550 for $500. I think that... If you look up classic bike in the dictionary... Cabbage. 
It's cabbage. It's going to have a CB550. Right. I got, can I pull and out? They, they are charming little Can I pull bikes. out the stiletto here real quick? Well, what's Bagel's turn next? Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, All right. so here you go. Take a look at the pictures so, of the so CB550. What's the ace? So that was pretty good. That was right. that was below a buck a CC. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I got you beat. Oh. I found one that's not a buck a CC. Not 75 cents a cc. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Not oh. 50 cents a cc. Oh, no. Come take this off of my <laughs> property. Wow. even 25 what? cents a cc. 13 cents a cc. <laughs> what? But All wait, right. there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> this is a 1993. Okay. Okay. Kawasaki. Yeah. VN 1500cc Vulcan. Oh, a Vulcan 1500 Whoa. Vulcan. Yes. They're classics in their own right now, yeah. the old Vulcans. Yes. For two hundred dollars. All right. All right. Now okay. What's the, from? What's the catch? Yeah. All right. Now, let me tell you, it runs. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. It runs. It just doesn't okay. have wheels That's a start. or something. It is midnight blue and silver. Yeah. Um, it has receipts from North Bay Motorsports over three grand in the engine rebuild. Wait. <laughs> oh, and how much and is they're the selling bike? it for two hundred. Hold, hold oh, up. Somebody's yes. getting divorced okay, here. <laughs> <laughs> Only twenty miles on the rebuild engine. Okay. <laughs> needs a needs clutch adjustment or something. <laughs> it doesn't disengage or oh. something. Have hmm. have spare hmm. engine for parts. What? what must bring truck or trailer to take bike start I, starts up but clutch doesn't release takes take bike spare engine extra bars etc they are just done They're they done. are done take yeah, this they, fucker they spent three house. grand yeah, no. rebuilding it it still and, doesn't work and they're like Get this out of my sight. And this yeah. bike is right here in Santa Cruz. Why? Yeah, is it like, Liza's garage? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, though. Well, I want to see a picture of that. Is there pictures? Yeah. Liza doesn't care uh, if this yeah. one wins or not. She just wants to go pick no, it up. No pictures, I, I don't think. Oh, no, no pictures. pictures. Uh-oh. Yeah. No thanks. How no are you? Thanks. This is like an imaginary porn. All right. Well, but it's $200. Wait a minute. Oh. All right, then. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, I mean, ostensibly, hmm. that could be the one, but I've made my mind up. Without well, the photos, it's Nock just so hard. has his pitch. I got one more, just Oh, yeah, case. okay. If you weren't going to take my steak, the, I'm going to put more The stiletto in the ribs. All right, all right. This is a 1972 Yamaha R3 350. Ooh, Ooh. God, oh. $800. Yes. All right. Uh, must sell by this week. This is in Los Angeles. <laughs> And it's, uh, okay, six months ago, I started building this bike as a cafe racer. racer. The engine fires right up and runs excellent. A very strong motor. I simply do not have time to finish this project, so I'm letting it go. I have all the parts to put this back into stock condition except for the seat. This is a very rare and very collectible R5 and would make an amazing cafe racer. Call Chris, Bobby, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Bike is non-op. Status with DMV, so no back fees due. So this is a straight Mm. turnkey. You're probably going to need a seat on there, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Nice. And how much oh, is and it? And a headlight. 800 bucks. Wow. Oh, it's got a drum front brake as well. So it's, But it's not stock. Um, no. It's not been modified yet, but it is stock. Like, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, this, this, it needs a seat. Hmm. But he's got all the parts. Yeah. And there's a picture of the bike, and it's got the front fender, the headlight, the headlight is, side panel. Mm-hmm. Giant rear fender with turn signals and and tail light on it. I mean, it looks like a complete bike. Yeah, looks like he's uh, the um, stripped off of it. It's painted white, which is not my favorite color for a street bike. No. Um, 
But I tell you what, yeah, potentially a great project. And 800 bucks for a street two-stroke? Yeah. Can't, can't go wrong with that. Yeah, around here, man. Uh, who's one of the other judges? Me. I'm going to hand it over to him. Yeah. Yes. Did he just completely ignore you, Henry? Pretty much. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it up to you later, Henry. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. darling. Don't worry, I'm used to that. <laughs> what, me making up to you later? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hmm. I got one more. Hang what? on. Wait, Wait a minute. You said you're two. A, you're a bastard. I know. You're this one is, cannot win. All right. Well, then I get to tell one. This one isn't going to win. I mean, I mean, this one, I, I did not enter it. All right. Start bringing out the real shit. Hold on. But, <laughs> All right. Because I think it can be argued, and I'm playing to one of the judges here. Mm-hmm. I th- think it can be argued that You're this a real bastard, 1997 Suzuki Bandit 1200, it will soon be a classic. Yeah. And this bike is $1,000. Okay. And looks really good. Check this out. So the deal with this bike is oh. it has a broken lever and a broken shifter. That is it. No kidding. So it got dropped. That is it. I think it fell over, and he's those are the only two flaws with it, and he's selling it for $1,000. Oh, it's broken. What I'm getting normally, rid of it. What would you normally expect to see a bike like that go for? Emma, what would you see that? Funny enough, bandits are not high-dollar bikes. Um, they couple need of so grand. many of them. So two, three K? Yeah. But it's one of her favorite bikes. Mm-hmm. And it looks good. It like does. It, it looks on. really good. The only thing is, just hold on there. What? Yes. She's um, trying to pull another fast one. No, no, I, yeah. I, this one is not entered in the contest. <laughs> this one, um, I, just, I just wanted to show as another example. There is. The only thing I'm thinking about this mm-hmm. is it's going to have a ton of of miles on it and i mean a ton of miles well, look it up and see all right so you guys have six bikes to choose from let's recap i had the yz yz 250 yep mm-hmm. and the cb 550 mm-hmm. right cbr 1000 yep. yep and the kawasaki vulcan the yes. vulcan 1500 yep. and knock i've got those two viragos and then the uh, yamaha r5350 two stroke all right brandon this Who is do you really, choose? really difficult. It's between... <laughs> think I have a running motorcycle that I could just get on and do biker shit. No, with. think a classic Here, bike. Here's what do you, the thing. What do people it's a classic bike. For? I don't know anything about petrol bikes, so Knox's uh, argument does ring home. However, I know all of you guys. So it's between that CB550... Mm, see? That the, is a classic. The... Uh, thousand cc bike that bagel showed Mm -hmm. cbr Mm -hmm. but also the first one that knock showed Mm -hmm. it was cool looking classic looking and it ran let's all yamaha factory accoutrement hold on and i do want to recap for the judging consideration it is technically the whole point of a porn pick is to find the best deal it's the best goddamn deal. It's hey, a fucking classic. A yeah, but five hundred dollars CB five fifty. That shit don't run, son. It doesn't. It doesn't run. But knock. It does have a better fairing origi- original oh. wind jammer oh. on it. So oh. Oh. like, I mean, it's hey. that you can't get more classic than that, right? It has. I guess. The, hey Emma, of all the bikes that we showed, which one has the highest value in good condition, good running condition? I. 
Out of all the bikes? Yeah. Probably the R5. Oh. Mm. Don't, don't, don't look at me like that, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> look at it. You get in the eye. All right, all right, but all right. All right, so that's Brandon. not the one I'm choosing. Do you do you want to hear the other choices, Brandon? Yeah, I want to hear what right. they choose first. Emma, what? Who are you choosing? Just and it it it's not really a logical choice. It's just because I love them so much. It's the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Ooh, lucky mm-hmm. like a hurricane. All yeah, right. I love those things. They're just it it's. Uh, like sitting on a bus that can do 160 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, Henry, are you choosing the CB550 or the YZ250? I'm choosing the Hurricane. What? Yes! A lot of love for the Hurricane. There's, there's something about old school speed that's just cool. Yeah, it's been 10 years yep. out the pasture, though. Yeah. It's, it can still do 160 miles an hour, though. No, not if it's not starting. No, no, no. You no, no, can't this push it 100 no, miles no, an hour, no, this is This is the one that starts and runs. It just has a clutch problem. Oh wait, well, that was the Vulcan. The that, was, that was the Vulcan. Yeah, the Vulcan oh. runs. Oh, I'm the sorry, hurricane I'm sorry, doesn't I'm sorry, run. The hurricane right. does not run. Get, no, that's okay. Yes. It's a hurricane. It's worth trying yes. to get it running. That's a thing, though. Lovely it's a, bike. That's the thing, though. It's a Honda. You throw a hundred bucks of parts at it, and yeah. it'll run well, great. Uh, that's, not, it is a car. Not when bike. you get into the sport bikes and you get into yeah. electronics. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that. But reminder, it hasn't got any. No, it's none? just like a standard. It's got none. It's a carbureted super bike. It's like the RF nine hundred. You should yeah, run immediately. All right, so that reminder takes the hurricane out of uh, contention for me. So now oh, it's stuck right, between oh. your CB550 with the Vetter fairing and Knox, uh, whatever that original thing. The R5. The R5. Yeah. How much was that R5 again? Uh, 800. 800. Mine was $500. Okay. And the Vetter fairing. And the Vetter fairing. Okay, okay, okay. I got to go with the CB550. Yay. Now, speaking speaking of uh, Vetter fairings, (laughs) uh, Morgan, myself, Callum, and I don't think you guys have met James yet. He's Mm -hmm. our new intern. We're going to be bringing him down here to to meet you guys. He's actually building an Energica at the shop. Oh. And uh, we have been cleaning the shop and the RV shed and everything. And we have gotten Craig's approval to take all of his old fairings, take them down, clean them up, take a look at them, keep all of the best ones for his own personal museum, Mm -hmm. and the remainder can either be sold, or if they're not sold, he wants them crushed. What? Yes. So, if there is anybody who's interested in having some original Vetter fairings that are coming directly from Craig Vetter's collection, like... This is not a chance well, that anybody's going to get ever again. And they have all the again. parts. For that's them correct. Too. Right. That's a thing. Wow. Well, shit. And you've Wait. got like two weeks before Morgan and I start crushing stuff. Call it your boy. Wait, are these like the whole fish fairing or the no like, no wind uh, jammers? So we the have jammer. the molds and a couple of the rifle fairings, which are like you know you crunch yourself into them to get maximum mileage. Mm-hmm. But these are actually wind jammers, liberators, um, liberator, liberator. Uh, uh, just all of the classic fairings that he did from back in the 60s, 70s. Hmm. You know, I remember when I first, I got my first Windjammer. I thought it was so cool because I'd seen Windjammers, you know, <laughs> since I was a kid. And I just thought they were cool. And then I had, uh, this was in the 90s. And mm-hmm. I had a CB750K. Right. And I found a Windjammer and I found some brackets. Mm-hmm. And because you need that was the coveted thing, you got to yep. find the brackets. Yep. And I mounted it on the bike, and I thought I was the shit. And I went for a ride, and I hit a pothole, and I put a big old ding right in my oh, fender no. oh. <laughs> because that's what happens mm. if you mount it too low. Mm. 
mm-hmm. right? It just whacked. And just the sheer weight of the oh, thing, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you need yeah, air suspension. They, it's a serious, it's a serious chunk of plastic on yeah. the front of your bike. So a lot of these actually, not all of them, but a bunch of them are from the original days when he was using fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Oh my so God. there's a mix of fiberglass and ABS in there. It's actually pretty cool. I got to see how they were making them before because mm-hmm. uh, he had the old vacuum pumps and stuff like that. To, oh, wow. And he explained how they would heat it and then like form it in there. And he showed me how the molds pressed together and it would reshape stuff. And then Callum, he's like super nerdy into the uh, mechanical design and stuff like that. So he actually heated some ABS and showed me how it gets bent and formed and Hmm. uh, after that we went over to Mike Corbin's and Corbin showed all of the different types of ABS and how they make it it's Mm -hmm. super cool stuff well I think the most important thing here is not so much that bagel won this round but that knock lost yeah (laughs) I figured as much I gotta know I I gotta tell you though knock that R5 and he's God, it's a good bike. Look, you want to get a whole bunch of old men talking to you and chatting you up. <laughs> that's your fucking kink. I get had that bike. one of these back in Look, the day. Look, you want to get exactly. a bunch of 20-something hipsters talking to you, you want that CB550. No, you get the two-stroke. <laughs> smells like a lawnmower, yo. The cafe racer would be pretty good yeah. for getting the hipsters to talk to you. But yeah. I tell you what, riding well, I mean, riding a two-stroke riding a two-stroke on the street, it's it's... Definitely a different experience. God, it's desirable, apparently, with some people. True that. Yeah. Nice. Well, the reason that I did the classic bike challenge is because Emma yes. has a history hole for us. Well, and it's 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 yeah. a kind of bittersweet history hole because um, there was some news out of England yeah. this week. Yes. And it's not the happiest news, but I feel it's not the end because things aren't or aren't there's very rarely a complete mm-hmm. end to a manufacturer but to cut a long story short um Norton had been called into receivership and had mm-hmm. to close its doors now I have to admit I was like wait Norton's still around then I remembered that somebody had brought it back oh about like six years ago, I want to say. Well, brought it back, brought it back too? to England. I mean, you know, and, and we're building new bikes again that yes. were modern classics. Yes, yes. Okay, were they, the they motors were patterned the old after older no. engines? Are there brand new? No. Okay. Didn't and they also build an electric? Yes. Uh, no, they they never dipped their no. foot in electric. But you know, we'll dip into it in the history hole. But yeah. what I want to make what I want to make be clear about when we do this history hole. Hmm. And I, it's a caveat I give over all the history holds. All I'm really giving you is a taste. I'm giving you a, a little glimpse because we haven't got all the time in the world to devote to this. And Norton, there's a lot of history. Oh, my God, there is a lot of history. Hmm. And so I'm not going to cover the whole of Norton history. I'm basically, I'm going to cover the twins. I'm going to give a very, very brief introduction to who Norton were and why they were. Mm. And then we're really going to cover the twins. So it's what happened after the Second World War. So um, are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then we'll begin. And Brandon, I'm going to show you a picture. These are the new Nortons that were coming out. If you look oh, them up, wow, they're that is really, really hot. Good looking bikes. That's beautiful. Well, it's, um, you know, snap one up while you can because that's it. They're over. Mm-hmm. So our story... 
begins in 1898. What? Wow. Yeah, it's a... Ri- it, did they have motorcycles back then? Yep. That's before Harley's. It's before Triumph. Um, oh. And there was Whoa. actually a Mr. Norton. James Lansdowne Norton. There's a name for you. Were these steam? No, they weren't, darling. <laughs> they were paraffin. They, yes, they ran on... They, no, they ran on paraffin and sealing wax. Um, and James Lansdowne Norton um, started a business basically making parts for other people, for two-wheel vehicles. Mm. Oh. Um, the first Norton that actually had its name on it came out in 1902 which is right around the time the triumph came out i mean the beginning of the 20th century was really a time of great expansion for the Mm. motorcycle manufacturers and you know people were working and people were earning money and needed Mm -hmm. to get around and so motorcycles that's when there was this big explosion of motorbikes and that was when the first norton came out it did have another person's engine in it though um the first norton with its own engine Came out in 1908. So whose engines was he using back then? Um, probably a variety. Um, the French were great motorcycle engine mm-hmm. uh, builders in the uh, in the early days, mm-hmm. as were the Italians. Um, you could get engines from a variety of sources okay. and just build a chassis around it. Um, but as I promised, like a lot of English manufacturers, they built bikes for the First World War. They built great racing machines really from the start and in the second world war they built a great many military bikes but really for the purpose of brevity our story is going to start in 1949 and is that when the first twin came out that's when the first i'm going to call it a modern twin okay and it was called the dominator and the dominator was a 500 cc twin cylinder bike it made very, very good power for its time. Um, the chassis was a little bit archaic. I mean, the, the chassis on the very first Dominators really harkened back to Norton's of pre-war. Um, a very archaic, but there was this great potential with this new engine. Um, and the real change came in 1950. And Norton knew it had a winner of an engine on its hands, but they wanted a chassis to match. So they sent out a contract to a company called McCandless, and it was run by a very, very dynamic pair of brothers, but it was based in Belfast. Mm. And they designed this frame, uh, which was known as the featherbed frame. And it was it was called the featherbed frame for a variety of reasons, but it was very, very rigid. It gave a great ride hence the featherbed. Mm. Um, and it basically, oh, almost overnight, it made every other frame obsolete. They're still no highly sought after Oh, God, now. yeah. If you're building a Triton, mm-hmm. and for those who don't know what a Triton is, a Triton is an amalgamation of a Triumph engine in a Norton frame. Mm-hmm. It had better be in a featherbed frame. Because that's the classic. And they're very, very distinctive-looking frames. They have... The way you can always tell um, a featherbed frame, if you look under the seat, basically where your bum goes, Mm -hmm. there's a curve that goes from the top of the frame down to the bottom. And that's really where the oil tank lives. And that's really a very defining part of the frame. But Mm -hmm. they were very, very rigid. 
And Norton had a very, very good front fork at the time called the road holder. And when you put those two together with this really dynamic 500cc engine, it really made for a great bike. And Norton had a winner on its hand. So there you go. Um, and everything ticked along quite well. They... I'm not going to suggest for a moment that Norton only made twin-cylinder bikes, because they didn't. They made some fantastic single-cylinder bikes, both for the street and for the race track. Um, they got um, a very, very talented racer on board in 1952. I have a uh, question. Yes. Who were their biggest competitors at the time? In the early 50s? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was all British manufacturers. So BSA, Triumph. BSA, Triumph. Oh, Jim's arrived. Jim's Hello, here. darling. Naked hey. Jim. Jim, she's just started her history hole on Norton motorcycles. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Sounds like a zoo in here. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's mainly you, darling. It's you. <laughs> um, These Brussels sprouts. On that topic, I'm going to send you something. Right, so... The Italian manufacturers were making an inroad into racing. They was they were actually using four-cylinder bikes, mm -hmm. but the single-cylinder Nortons were that good. Mm. They were actually beating the four-cylinder Italian ones. These how how good these engines wow. were. But that's a history hole for another day. We're sticking with the twins. Okay. Shoo. Um, the frame changed. In 1960, we were still running the 500cc Dominator engine. There's a lot. There's a lot of gesturing going on. <laughs> we're trying to get Jim on mic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very good. So um, the Dominator engine had grown a little bit. It was 600cc by now, um, but the the featherbed frame was showing its age a little bit. And the major complaint from riders: it was very, very wide at the back mm -hmm. so it made for a very very wide gas tank and if you were slightly shorter in the leg this wide back to the gas tank and the wide n apex to the seat it mm -hmm. made it kind of hard to reach the ground so they actually narrowed it up to make it better for shorter riders and actually a lot more comfortable ride and then it became the slimline featherbed so if you ever see <laughs> a frame advertised there's two types there's the wide line which is wider at the back and then the slim line which is slimmer at the back mm -hmm. and you know take your pick as to which is more desirable um a lot of time what brussels. what is in this it's brussels sprouts it, oh hold on very Jim good brought brussels sprouts for everyone oh, yeah I, I scored some uh some dope brussels sprouts <clears throat> i think i'll pass how california pass a brussels sprout <laughs> i know right dude there's like a balsamic balsamic vinegar reduction and some swine in there some swine some dope shit son <laughs> right brussels sprouts with bacon be yeah, absolutely very anyway. very nice um Mm, nom, nom. now as i always do with these history holes i have got a little bit of head of myself um these bikes were made in Birmingham, and as everyone is probably aware, that is my hometown, and I'm enormously proud of the fact that so many British bikes were built in Birmingham. Mm. Um, in 1962, Norton actually was moved out. I vividly remember the original Norton works that were on Bracebridge Street in Birmingham, mm -hmm. and in the 80s, when I was beginning to build custom bikes, it was actually occupied by a chroma. 
and you could go down and collect your chrome from the loading dock and you could look above and it actually still had the Norton works cast in the stone above the the loading wow, dock. So actually the factory cast was into the stone. Oh yeah. I mean these were Birmingham took a great deal of pride in these factories. Um, BSA, that's the B in BSA. Mm-hmm. Um, Norton was based there. There was a ton of other manufacturers built there. Lucas was built there. Amol Carburetors were based there. Reynolds, the chain people and the frame people were, were based in Birmingham. So it, it, it was really a, a centre. Modena. Yeah, kind of. You could regard it as that. If something was made in England, there's a good chance it was made in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Birmingham took a great pride in, in what it made. But anyway, 62 was moved out and it uh, went down to London. However, things were moving on. The 650, the 600 was now a 650 mm-hmm. and it was called the Atlas. Okay. And in 62, they enlarged it further to 750, largely for America because Americans like power. Bigger is better. Bigger is better. And the Atlas was an interesting bike because it made really good power. Mm. Um, great power for the day and great power in comparison with a Triumph. But it had a nasty little secret. It was really quite a vibrator. Uh-huh. And we don't like vibration because, well, number one, it's... Speak for yourself. Wow. <laughs> Tra-la-la. Um, Certain kinds of it is quite tiring. And the trouble is with vibration... Unless you rubber mount everything, it destroys bulbs, it destroys instruments, it mm-hmm. destroys all kinds of electrical stuff. So anything you used to bolt to an Atlas had basically either got shaken off or broken by the vibration. Mm-hmm. And they knew they had a good engine, but they took a fairly radical approach curing it and they actually hired a german engineering firm god it breaks my heart to say that (laughs) Um, and they came up with basically rubber mounting the engine Mm. now it seems like that could result in thing the rubber rotting and then the engine rattling around well we'll come to that but um there's a lot of bikes with rubber mounted engines around these days hmm they did something quite radical and different. They actually took the engine, the transmission, the swing arm, the rear wheel, and the shock absorbers okay. and mounted them in a solid, u- solid unit and then rubber-mounted that entire hmm. assembly in relation to the frame. Whoa. That's a different approach. It is a hugely different approach. And it wasn't without its trouble. Um they introduced the concept in 1967, and there was a new name to go with the bike with that design. It was called the Commando. Mm-hmm. And this is the Norton that most people remember. Made its debut in 67 at the Earl's Court Motor Show. Um, interesting looking bike. It was bright silver with an orange seat. Well, it was the 60s, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um and you're quite right. I mean, the rubber mountings did, the very early ones did cause a problem. They'd rot out, the metal mounting points would corrode, especially mm-hmm. on salty English roads. Mm-hmm. And the bikes, the handling would get quite unpredictable when the uh, rubber mountings <clears throat> wouldn't, when they started going funky. Being absorbers anymore. Wouldn't yeah. everything attached to, like, the transmission, the engine, the frame, the shark absorbers, wouldn't that still 
be subject to all the vibration yes. and come out. Yes. So it was <laughs> maybe a smoother ride, but you still have to watch out for bolts and things coming out. Right, exactly. I mean, you, if British bike ownership means going around and actually making sure everything's still bolted to your bike. Checking to make sure it's not falling apart yet. But if you think about it, the the parts that you attach to, so the footrests were hung on the, the main frame, so you're isolated from vibration there. The entire frame loop, the handlebars, the headlight, the instrument pack, the tail light, these are all isolated from vibration. Mm-hmm. So you got an uncommonly smooth ride. The next time I come down to Misfits on a Commando, I'll let one of you ride it, and you will be amazed how smooth they are. I'm first. Yeah. Because you sit on this thing at idle, and everything's jumping up and down, and you think, this is wild, because the rubber mountings are all like... It really vibrates that much. At idle. But uh-huh. it's not a nasty vibration. It's just mm-hmm. almost like a washing machine kind of vibration. <laughs> okay. But the moment you pull away, it all goes away. Hmm. And it really is turbine smooth. They're quite bizarre to ride. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you reach down and touch the engine, you realize how much the thing's shaking underneath you. Mm-hmm. That's something that's fun about riding vintage bikes. They feel like they're mad at you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. It's, it's definitely got that feel to it. Um but you know the commando it's it was a wildly successful bike it went through various incarnations the best one in my opinion like most british bikes they get really good towards the end mm-hmm. uh, the 74 <clears throat> was the mark 2a and that was the last of its kind an enormously good bike they were always beautifully made the thing is with nortons they were really a hand-built bike triumphs were a mass production bike will you would you say that these are out-of-the-box racers some yeah but they also did touring bikes okay and they also actually did factory cruiser bikes i mean we think of these as vintage you know classical bikes but at the time this was a it super was, bike of its time yeah no it was, norton it was commando i think of a race bike yeah if a norton commando if you had a bunch of money in the mid 70s and you wanted to go quick now the norton commando um was a very very potent way of going quickly and yet the z1 was out and the 754 was out. But the Norton Commander was right up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I invite everyone, if you're listening to this, go on to YouTube and Google an Australian film called Stone. <laughs> and there's a great um, scene in Stone. They do a little street race mm-hmm. around the streets of Sydney in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it was made in 75, so it's a period piece. Okay, And... The one guy is on a Z1, and the other guy's on a Norton Commando, and you can actually see how they how these things ran when they were new, and just how potent they were. Mm-hmm. And it's a quick bike, um, like a lot of things. I mean, we look back on them very nostalgically now. It was a flawed motorcycle. Keeping an oil in a Commando is quite an interesting job. It can <laughs> be done, but. Some of the quality is great. Some of the quality is a little bit choppy. In a lot of ways, it was very, very modern thinking. 
it had this beautiful rubber mounted frame it had disc mm. brakes but you were still basically on an engine that went back to the second world war now you said this was in uh 75 right 75 was the very very last commando okay and the 75 was a model in its own right it had an electric start that moved the gear shift from being a traditional english gear change on the right to the left mm-hmm. which Whoa, was an- so traditionally your stuff was all the other way around, inverted from what we mm. normally write here in the States now. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And the Norton had an inverted shift pattern as well. They weren't standardized so back then. So it was first, first was up, second, second, third, and fourth was down. Hmm. And it was your right foot that you shifted with. That's so weird. But that's what I grew up riding. Mm. And even Triumphs had a slightly more modern gear shift, and it was down for down, up for up. But it was still right foot shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so for 1975, mm. and this was a one-year-only bike, so the gear shift moved over, it had an electric start, it had disc brakes on the front, disc brake on the rear. So disc brakes weren't common at this time either? No. no. It was, it was right. right around the time that they were changing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the Z900s, so the Z1, the Z900, A1, 2, 3, and 4, they all had discs on the front, drum on the back. Uh, All the 754s, disc on the front, drum on the back. mm -hmm. It was only until the late 70s that they actually started putting discs on the rear of bikes. Mm -hmm. I find that those are always on the the higher end, like, you know, the Super Sport version gets the disc on the back. Exactly. You know? And so, you know, in a lot of ways, the British were ahead of the curve there because Mm -hmm. Norton had a disc on the back in 75, as did Triumph. Mm -hmm. Um so they were, you know, they they were odd bikes. As I said, very forward-thinking in a lot of ways, very, very archaic in other ways, mm-hmm. which is really a typical British bike. If you've ever had the opportunity... <laughs> If you you've can, ever you had the opportunity, that today, yeah, yeah. If you've ever had the opportunity to drive a Jag, Jags are marvelous things mm-hmm. because they're very, very luxurious cars. And you know, I love my Jags, mm-hmm. but something about them is just so frigging archaic. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're driving a vintage car, mm-hmm. and a lot of the design elements and a lot <laughs> of the engineering goes back. 60, 70 years, the way mm-hmm. they're, they're thought out, mm-hmm. um, which was part of the charm of the bikes. Anyway, so 1975. Um, there were various reasons why Norton ended. They owed a lot of money to a lot of people. Um, the market was not what it once was. A lot of people think of the 1970s as very, very halcyon days for motorcycling. And in a lot of ways they were, but the world was in recession. Um, so was it kind of like it is now, uh, back then? Yeah, almost, in a lot of ways it was worse. The economy was certainly worse. Wow. I mean, in America, I wasn't in America for the, for, the, uh, for the 70s, but I know a lot of people look back on the bicentennial mm. as a very nostalgic time. But there was a huge recession on Gas lines. That's what I remember. There was gas mm, lines. Gas there was Odd a lot of days. people out of work. And, you know, any all manufacturing was hit very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, Norton by then was part of a group called Norton Villiers Triumph. And all the English manufacturers been really melded into one. Mm-hmm. And 
the owning company was a company called Manganese Bronze Holdings, who had no experience wow. in motorcycling <laughs> at all. Right. So they're just, it's a metal company. Yeah. And th- their best attribute was basically figuring out who was profitable and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. And to cut a long story short, at Norton Villiers, Villiers Triumph, Triumph made it. Norton didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple an equation as that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the story wasn't over then, although it should have been. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the mid-80s. So 10 years, the name Norton was really in limbo. I mean, there were still rights attached to the name. There were still people making parts. Were they making snowmobiles? They are making nothing. <laughs> but the name still mattered. But the name still mattered. So a um, group of enthusiasts started up a company, again, not too far away from the original site in Birmingham in a tiny little village called Shenston. And Shenston is exactly halfway between Sutton Coalfield, which is on the outskirts of Birmingham, and um, Litchfield. I'll have to take your word for it. It's a tiny little village. And they set up a factory making rotary engine Nortons. Mm -hmm. And as bizarre as that sounds, um, Norton inherited the rights before they went bankrupt in 75. They'd inherited the rights to a Wankel engine that had been developed by BSA. They'd been working on their own project Mm. called the Wolf. And the Wolf was the weirdest thing. It was a step piston 500cc twin. And it was kind of a cross between a four-stroke and a two-stroke. There was no money for development. It was really a non-starter before it got off the board. So did they call it a a three-stroke? (laughs) <laughs> you know, you could actually describe it as that. Wow. I can't even imagine how that works. Is that a Norton behind a Knox head on the wall? That is a Norton. In the glass. I've it been looking like for Atlas. one. Hey, Norton. I'm like, I know I've got a Norton, Norton in here somewhere. That is a single-cylinder Norton racer from the mid-1950s. Oh, yeah. That's a fine machine. Right. But then in, years ago in the mid-70s, they'd inherited the rights to this rotary engine and for whatever reason they decided that is the way forward we're going to develop that and to be honest with you it was kind of in a lot of ways it was quite successful they did rather well with a police contract Mm -hmm. but this is this is what i get frustrated with a police rotax motorcycle no rotary not rotax rotary motorcycle yeah um and this is where i kind of get frustrated with the thought process behind this. Mm. They came up with this really good air-cooled rotary engine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was either 500cc or 1,000cc, depending on your point of view, but it made good power. They built it into a police bike. The police didn't quite understand what they had and <coughs> used it for low-speed work, the engine's overheated. Yeah, there are lots the of complaints. Of, exactly. It's the worst you can do because the police didn't understand what they'd got. Norton sold them a high-speed pursuit vehicle. The police didn't want a high-speed pursuit vehicle. They wanted a low-speed, really, parade vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so 
Norton went back to the drawing board and basically built a brand new water-cooled engine, which cost another gazillion dollars to develop. Mm -hmm. So really, they developed... There you go. That's a Norton air-cooled classic. Wonderful-looking device. Uh, That is a weird-looking engine. It really is. Yeah, but it made good power. I mean, it made the equivalent of 100 horsepower, which is... Plenty of, mm-hmm. uh, for the time. So I'm looking at a step piston engine. This thing's fucking bananas. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's like two pistons and one piston. Yeah. Yeah. This is smaller. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. So, yeah, it's like a two-stroke slash four. Yeah. So um, Norton Rotary. And this is oh, a, right. And this is a personal connection for me because in England... All motorbikes, when they get to a certain age, have to go through an annual inspection, and it's called the MOT test. Mm -hmm. It's called the Ministry of Transport test, and you test things like tires and brakes, and there's a checklist, and you make sure Mm -hmm. basically the bike is safe for human consumption. The closest bike shop that was able to conduct the MOT tests to the Norton Works was Sutton Motorcycles, <coughs> and that's where I worked. And ah. I was a certified MOT ah. tester. So I got to... So you got to see a lot of these. I got to ride them. Oh, very cool. Wow. I got to ride a lot of the prototypes. Mm-hmm. And so the, I've got a lot of affection for these bikes, but um, they sold it until 1996, and guess what happened? Government pulled the plug. Because they owed a lot of people a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They had no means of paying it back. The police contracts hadn't panned out. because The police didn't really trust the bikes. They'd come out with a new design called the Commander, which was really a factory touring bike. It had a lot of body panels on it, came with a lot of fitted luggage. Mm-hmm. It was a very expensive, high-quality bike, and it was exactly what the market didn't need but mm. <clears throat> if we take a look at what else was happening around that time the japanese bikes the um, italian bikes it was right uh, I mean, it sounds like even though it was a high-end bike it was going to cost too much for the performance right. output exactly and <clears throat> there's always that sting if you've put out a flawed product in the mm. past and p a lot of people literally and metaphorically got burnt with the air cold bikes and it's like, uh, I'm not sure whether I want to pay $20,000 for a bike that's potentially going to be unreliable. Right. So that's it. They went 1996, they soldiered on to. So they gave it an eight year run. Um, mm-hmm. I vividly remember I went to the factory a number of times during those um, years. And it wasn't just the Nortons that were interesting. They always had interesting bikes that they'd bought and brought to the factory. To compare or to, right. to look at what was good. And that's where I saw, funnily enough, that's where I saw my first Honda NR750 <coughs> uh-huh. was at the Norton Works. And I was amazed by it. Um, an amazing piece of motorcycling. The mm-hmm. closest, really, to a street V8 motorcycle, even though it's a V4. But tra-la-la. So I digress. So 1996, they're finished again. So this is number two. Mm. Once again, the Norton name is out there and doing absolutely nothing. So our action comes over here to Oregon. And a longtime Norton enthusiast called Kenny Dreher. 
And Kenny Dreer had made his living um, really selling Norton parts and making a lot of modifications to Nortons and making them really better than any of the original designers had anticipated. Mm -hmm. And he decided to come out with his own design, the 961, which there are no common parts between a Commando Mm -hmm. Twin and a 961. It's a completely different bike. It's a completely different bike, but style-wise... You can see it's kind of an evolution in thinking. And so he came up with this, and he made these bikes from 1999 to 2006. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, what, uh, seven seven years. years. Yeah, for for a guy that had nothing to do with anything and created his completely own design, he was able to get traction for seven years. Yeah, but it was a very low production. Whoops. Whoa. Whoa. What in the... Oh, that was a... Ch- <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the, the ghost. It's the ghost. Jim. Old man Norton is back. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. Um, so, he managed to keep things going until 2006. Guess what happened? He went bankrupt. Oh, man. It's a cursed name. It is a cursed name. It seems that way. So, where are we up to? Number three? Yeah. Finally. 2008? 2000, mm. Yeah, it starts in 2008, mm. but it really goes to 2009. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, let's talk about a guy called Stuart Garner. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart Garner, um, enthusiast, um, speculator, mm. um, industrialist. He buys the rights to the Norton name and all the design and engineering that goes with the Kenny Dreer 961. Okay. And then improves it. And that's basically the base of the Norton that was in production up until now. Right. So um, he set up a factory, very modern factory, in Donington. And Donington is home of a racetrack. Um, It's in the Midlands, so it's back in the area of Birmingham where... Not Birmingham, the area of England where these things were originally made. And there were really high hopes for this. It was a very, very good product. He improved further on the Kenny Dreer design. And they were genuinely good bikes. I mean, it's not a massive powerhouse of a bike. Well, Knox got to go. Hey, I got to take off. All right. right. Ciao, you guys. Right, Bye. Um, 961cc, 80 horsepower, which isn't much, but very, very high torque engine. Great looking bike. I mean, it's a nice, nostalgic looking bike. Um, a little bit on the expensive side, but as most hand built bikes were. But that's basically where that brings us up to 2020. Mm hmm. So do you think we'll see the name come back again? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. You can't let that name go. Everybody wants it. Everybody does want And the thing is, the 961, it's actually a damn good bike. I've ridden one, mm-hmm. and they are all kinds of wonderful. They're really nice riding mm. bikes. So there's actually a good product. There's a great name behind it. All it really needs is a kickstart. But there's various 
theories as to why it failed. Um, a lot of people are saying Brexit. <clears throat> I'm kind of... I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon to say Brexit is either a good or a bad thing right now. I think... I think it, it's the industry, too. Yeah, there's the industry as well. There's no people aren't buying that many new bikes. Right, and especially very, very high-dollar bikes. Actually, no, that's not true. The very, very high-dollar bikes are being sold. It's the ones that are the middle. Yeah, right, so I mean, your yeah. high and your lows are selling a lot because you still have rich mm-hmm. people and you still have mm-hmm. poor people that need to get around. Right. But uh, yeah, as the middle class is dissipating, so is that middle price point. But um, to put things into perspective, um, Norton owed the tax people three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars with no hope of paying it back. And wait, f- again in the latest one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man! So every single and, one of these companies went yeah. massively into debt. Mm-hmm. Well, and it gets a little—it's a Norton tradition. It, <laughs> it gets a little worse than that. Um, and I'm not suggesting for a moment that um, Mr. Garner is a ripoff artist, but there is a lot of talk about investors being built out of their life savings. Yikes. You know, so a lot of people have pumped money into that. Mm -hmm. Emma, I have a question for you. Yes. I mean, we're talking about, because this, this name has been bought and sold many times. Right. The bikes keep coming back. What one word comes to mind when you hear Norton? In terms of, wait, if you... What, the, the name, because the name is what keeps carrying on. And we and you said it'll come back. So what one word is that, does, does Norton represent to you? Oh, it's Commander. Absolutely. It's all about the Commander. Right. And I think that was the... the, the for me, it's quality. Yes. It's, they always built quality bikes. It's a beautifully made bike. Mm. And to say it's the end of Norton, it's not true. Right now, as we speak, mm. there's a thriving industry of people who make their living supplying parts right. for Nortons, specifically for commandos. Right here... In the Bay Area, um, Ken Arman mm-hmm. does a beautiful job of looking after Nortons. Mm-hmm. Um, a very, very dear friend of mine, Phil Radford, who's a brummy like I am, mm-hmm. he's based in Los Osos, which is in San Luis Obispo County. All he does is sell parts for Norton Commandos. So while the company is dead, the right. spirit of it is still the alive. Is- being maintained by other businesses. Right. Colorado Norton Works builds the most beautiful commandos you can imagine mm. and incorporates modifications that weren't even dreamt of back in the, the 70s. So, there's so much love for this Norton commando model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What put me on the map on the classic bike scene was mm-hmm. a commando I built for a museum. No kidding. So, I mean, I've got a lot of passion for commandos, too. Mm-hmm. There's that much love for the machine. And as Liza says, it's a, it's a very, very high-quality machine. Mm-hmm. So, it's the end. But, I, you know, I'm not going to go home and slish, slip my wrist just yet. <laughs> I think it's the end of another chapter. Mm-hmm. And we can grieve it and we can be sad about it. But somebody's going to bring it back. Yeah. 
you know, there's too much history behind it. But remember, and this is the caveat, I just gave you a taste. I mean, I gave you the tiniest sliver of the history of Norton. It's an mm-hmm. amazing company mm-hmm. for the most amazing characters, the most amazing racers, the most amazing race bikes. And there's just great swaths of history I didn't cover tonight because we've only got so much yeah. time. Yeah. Do some research. Check it out yourselves. It it it's a one. It there's too way too much history there, just to let it go by the wayside. It'll be back. Well, Emma, thank you very much. For oh, you're so welcome, Martin darling. Motorcycles, because I did see in the news about it going into receivership, as you say, and I thought, you know, what? we need to give it its, you know, proper salute for what a fine uh, fine machine that Norton has made over the years. Yeah, they they really have. They really have. They're, there's so much love for the Commando still. Well, well goodbye and, and, again, And I got Norton. the Manx right here. Ah. That's a pretty cool bike, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, didn't they do a Manx bike where they had the uh, the Norton frame and a and a Triumph engine in it, something mm. like yeah, that's the Triton. The Triton, okay, yeah, that's the Triton. That's a Norton featherbed frame. That's a TT mm. bike, right? Yeah, yeah well, wow, a great cafe. Ra- it's the cafe racer. Yeah, even better than that are the uh, Vincent Norton. Uh, oh, the Norvins! Yeah, oh Norman, my God! Yeah. yeah, Jim just sent me a picture of a Norvin. Our friend Rob over at Moto Talbot, he came back from the Meekum auction with a bunch of new bikes. Oh. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think he got a Norman in there. Didn't you see one, Jim? Yeah, I guess as long as it's okay to share, sure. Well, it's in, it's in his shop. <laughs> so, what's well, in the? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Let me take pictures. But yeah, so I, I was by uh, Moto Tablet today. If you haven't seen it, go mm-hmm. see it in Carmel Valley. Mm-hmm. And he just got back from the auctions. Yeah, so he had. Oh, uh, well, again, I got to remember. He had um, that the Norvin, which was super clean. Then he had a Husqvarna, must have been, mm-hmm. I would say, mid-60s, beautifully blue, ski bike. So this is a bike. Did I send you a picture of this? Mm-hmm. It's a motorcycle with ski tripods that come out of the sides with springs that pull it up, so you force it down with your feet, mm-hmm. and it's meant to go over the snow, and then your feet, your legs act as a suspension. I yeah, think we anyway. saw something like this on Triumph Cubs. You could buy this as a Triumph accessory. I think, yeah, like currently, uh-huh, kind of. Uh-huh. But yeah, so that is back then. So he had, let's see, what did he have in there? He had that. He had a, a Nixon race bike, a Thruxton race yeah. bike, which let's autographed. Not give away all the secrets. Um, go to Moto Talbot Museum. Yeah, go to yeah. Moto Talbot. Point got, being, he is out there. He continues to Rob get just came new. back from the auction. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool stuff to see. And Bobby still had the monkey bike with a 125cc motor that'll wheelie in every gear. Ah, so that's man. cool. But yeah. So, uh, you had some fun riding this weekend. You're, you oh, won't yeah. stop. You're not stopping, dude. You're talking you just to me? keep going. Talking yeah, you. Yeah, I decided I'm never going to take the clothes off that I'm wearing. I'm going to wear this <laughs> adventure riding gear every day for the rest of my life like uh carmel and those people but yeah i went riding again this weekend um back down to los padres national forest i went yesterday with some garage people Mm -hmm. with uh, justin and max who's been hanging around the garage lately he's got that sweet triumph scrambler you know what i'm talking about yeah and um so took those guys back down there we all just went together found some more new roads it just keeps the, the beauty is unbelievable just unsurpassed it's like a holy place um so rode around there yesterday and we had a whole variety of riding everything from chile going down the coast mm-hmm. got up in the mountains it was like 75 degrees it was absurd in the mountains yeah at the top wow. of big sur it was okay. like hot like i had, i took off all my clothes and just had on like my riding shell pants and my riding jacket because mm-hmm. it was that hot 
and then we dropped back back down the hill, and um, and it was fun riding. You know, getting faster on the Africa Twin, getting the everything figured out. Um, almost ate shit. Almost high sided on this downhill hard right hander. Uh, when the bike stalled out, but what are you going to do? Um, but all in all, it was good. It was good fun. So it was the three of us, and then we dropped back down out of the... We rode for about another 50 miles of dirt. Um, and lots of good stories, but we'll save it for another day. But we did get back down. We dropped into this crazy fucking fog. Like, when we got down about oh, 500 man. feet from from Highway 1, it was almost like, like, like oil fire blackout fog. It was that thick. Like, whoa. Wow. So um, then it got dark half an hour later. So we had to ride in the dark fog on Highway 1. And there were spots where it was like you could see maybe 200 feet. And all you know is it's like I can barely see. There's like a 300-foot drop to my left and a cliff, like a rock wall to my right. So we stopped about every half hour because it was just that hard to see. Um, but the Baja Design lights, man, get auxiliary lights. Those things lit everything up. We actually use Baja Design lights on the Baja 1000 electric vehicle. They're amazing lights. Yeah, they lit up, and um, so that was cool. So, but it, but it was it was a hard haul back because it was foggy and windy and super dark, and it was late. We rode for twelve hours on Saturday. And you're on the Africa Twin. Africa Twin. Are you getting more confident on the big bike now? In oh, big off-roading? time. Oh yeah, big time. And uh, when you learn what more it's capable of. Whether you're going slow and creeping like a tractor or once you open it up a little bit more so like i've been turning the rear what rear abs off so i'm starting to skid with the rear wheel more mm-hmm. um you know the biggest thing as long as you remember to keep your eyes up the bike will go over ruts it'll go because i'm starting to now learning just let like let the bike fall into ruts instead of trip about it just just keep your eyes up and let the ball bike fall into or go over what's there mm. and it's just like a little dirt bike as long as you keep your eyes up and roll on the throttle um the bike will it's pretty capable. It'll and how much does that bike weigh? 500 something, 550. Yeah, 530, I think. Okay, so it's, it's a big bike, like like the electrics that we're doing then. So it's it's not a typical tiny dirt bike. No, it gets heavy fast. Um, but the one cheater thing that I... So it, I, I've ended up with all the different settings you can do. I keep it the same for dirt that I do for the street. And it's like medium, whatever, engine, medium, you know, engine power delivery, medium traction or medium engine braking, and then the minimalist amount of traction control. Mm-hmm. Because when you're used to no traction control, any traction control is a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times in loose dirt, whether you're climbing a hill, you want you don't want the hill the, the wheel losing power. Because right. it's also jerky because it stops spark or whatever. Um, so it's very jerky. And at the same time, you need to climb a hill. Um, and even when you're going fast and you want to kind of get on the throttle coming around to turn mm-hmm. and you want to spin that rear wheel, but but the, the cheating part with the traction control is it keeps you from being stupid. Because uh. so many times when you're loose and you gas it and you think you're like good and you know what you're doing, <laughs> you're like, traction control's like, I just saved your ass. Or you would have fucking high-sided down that cliff. So, so when you say minimal traction control, you actually do mean to put it on the lowest setting. Don't yes, turn it off. Lowest setting. Don't okay. turn it off. Because it, well, we it, even though it's like a dirt bike, it's still a 1,000cc bike. Mm-hmm. And the rear wheel, when you're going up loose stuff, will step out so quickly. And it's mm-hmm. not hard to whiskey throttle it either. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the traction control really really helps out a lot i think but uh, yeah so playing with that you know made me a faster rider going with other people makes you a faster rider um but the biggest thing keeping your eyes up like every other motorcycle eyes up and stay on the throttle and the bike will do it all mm-hmm. i'm uh, gonna get out there with you soon yeah it talks I'm cheap so dude you're missing it. <laughs> so so anyway we rode 12 hours yesterday and it was a grind coming home but we all made it back and max had a great time you know he's from wisconsin originally he's tripping it's February. It's 75 <laughs> degrees. We're, we're fucking, I was like naked at one point because I had to take all my shit off. 
and he's like, I think I'm moving here. I think I'm moving out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so and I so got home and I was kind of sore, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to ride tomorrow Sunday and uh, just take it easy. So I woke up this morning and I'm like, I'm going to go ride. So <laughs> <laughs> hopped back on the bike, went back down that direction again, and then took this road that we took yesterday, which goes behind the Bixby Bridge. If you know, it's a really iconic spot. Mm. But there's a dirt road that goes behind there, and it's just again mind-blowingly beautiful and fun riding. Like it was fast. There was some wet stuff, you know, some tight uphill. S climby shit, um, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of turkeys. I think I'm gonna go check it out tomorrow. Do you think I could do it on a regular bike without knobby tires? You can. It's just how how beat yeah. up do you want to get? But but actually, the one at Bixby Bridge isn't too. Um, I did that on my Super Duke. Okay. Yeah, yeah you cool. can totally do it. Yeah. But um, are you talking about the Zero that's pudding color? No, no, probably my Energica. Okay, because the the pudding colored Zero has got. <laughs> uh, Anarchies on it, which are okay in the dirt. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the pudding color zero is the last uh, charger we're delivering for an Indiegogo customer. Oh. So I can't take mm. that one on the Old Coast Highway. Okay. I, I will say, be careful though, because when I I rolled out the bottom half on a Highway One, wherever it dumps out, there's a CHP dude on a bike. So uh-huh. I kind of roll up next to him. I'm like, hey, I'm just taking a breather, and we start chatting and stuff. And he's a big biker guy next thing you know he's taking out his phone he's showing me pictures of his ktm and all this kind of stuff and we're cussing and he goes hey did you see the accident i'm like no and this was just today Uh i'm like no mr go this had to uh this guy and next to him was parked and just looked parked there didn't look remarkable was a 690 enduro ktm 690 enduro Mm -hmm. and on the kickstand i'm like he goes yeah on this bike here he goes "Uh, there was a crash i'm like oh he goes yeah a guy shot off the cliff and (laughs) broke his clavicle and his hip Oh, this is not the place to shoot off a cliff on Dude. the old coast highway. Nobody. How yeah, did he get right? found? He must be. Well, he was with somebody, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, um, but I was like, damn. And then I held up my little inReach mini. <laughs> yeah. And the cops all, oh, let me see. How is that thing? Do you like it? Nice. But um, yeah, so they had to helicopter that dude out. Yeah. Um, and you got insurance for that too. Like, I was like, dude, <laughs> I did the right thing. <laughs> right on yeah. But um, yeah, but it was, it was so again a lot of fun riding. And I was trying for one moment. I'm like. Motorcycles and heroin. What's the difference? It's like this morning, I'm like, I'm just going to escape life. I'm going to get a fix. And I'm like, I hopped on the bike and it was like my therapy all day long. And Okay, Jim, we're going to look at our schedule because I've got myself so booked. But you know what? I think I'm going to have to take a Friday off of work to go play with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I can create. <clears throat> Maybe I day. can pencil you in. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what's great is that Bixby, it's it's not that far from here. It's yeah. like, no. and it's it's some of the best dual sport riding. If you guys go, though, ever. please do let Morgan and me know. Why? You don't have the right bike. So we can pull your ass back up the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So cool. I. I, I'm I'm loving that you're so jazzed and that you continue to keep exploring and finding new things about motorcycling. Two you know two wheels to get excited about. Oh yeah. Well, I went down Carmel Valley Road today too and up to Tassajara Hot Springs. Nice. Way the fuck up there in the back end of the Ventana National Wilderness. Nice. Well, I think um, we have just enough time to get to some emails and. Brandon, you have one there. Okay. So I have one titled, uh, Hello from North Carolina. Oh, crap. You know what that means. Uh, I need a phrase from North Carolina. What's the accent sound like? Show enough, Bogeta. Come on over here. Come on over here. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hang on. I need a country song. Yeah, country song. Uh, this is from Matthew Paella. 
He says, Hello, Misfits. I recently found you guys a few months ago and have enjoyed listening to your podcasts at work. I love how knowledgeable you guys are on all thing motorcycle. (laughs) Motorcycle? Well, yeah. What do you call it? It's a motorcycle. Is that a motorcycle? (laughs) I need your help identifying a bike my grandfather used to ride. Okay. He recently passed away, and I was wanting to get a bike that he used to ride and restore it. Hmm. I know that he was typical on Hondas and that my family thinks it was a 750. He owned this bike in the 70s, but that's all I know. I hope you guys can help. Thanks, Matt. And here's a picture of me and my baby on the bike. So, yeah, so uh, he sent a picture. Lord have and mercy. And <laughs> Emma is studying it right now. What do you think it is? <clears throat> So I responded to him. I'm pretty sure that that is a BSA. It could be. I'm pretty sure it's a BSA. Oh, this is a picture of his grandpa on there. Maybe even mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, mm. sitting on the tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So. Uh, and that's. I'm guessing that's the only uh, picture. Jim, you got to bounce. I'm gonna take off. Yep. All right. Thanks gotta for bounce, stopping by, man. All right. Cool. You. Later. All right. Peace out. Let me see. You have my phone. Give me. Oh, you have. Well, you know, it's a BSA. I'm telling you. I don't think it is. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm. I'm absolutely sure. But it wouldn't make any sense because I'm looking at the engine. And it's got what's what's called a Villiers 2T engine in it. And so I've got to figure out what was sold in America with a Villiers engine in it. Interesting. I mean, it could be be a special. It's a great-looking bike. And I can see why you think it's a BSA, because it's got a chrome gas tank. It's got oval tank badges. The gold emblem. And the gold emblem. Um, and I di- I believe I did find some with the engine didn't look like that. I mean, it could. It just looks so much like a Villiers two T engine to me. Hmm. Well, very interesting. <clears throat> well, why don't you um, yeah. do a little research, see what you can find. I have another email. It's a great looking to bike. Read here, while we we try and research that. Okay, what's it entitled? <laughs> Podcast bullshit. Well, that's that's accurate <laughs> to start that's with. What we and do. And so the uh, accent I'm going to read this. In yes, is an angry one. Is angry. Yes. Okay. Very mm. good. Carry uh, on. It's titled "Fuck You." Oh dear. Yeah, all right. The Street 750 is a piece of shit. <laughs> How about you go fuck yourself in the ass with a splinters piece of kindling, you fucks? <laughs> if I ever see any one of you fucktards broken down on the side of the road, I will flip you the bird as I drive on by. Get fucked, morons. <laughs> and that and one uh, comes from uh, someone horny at yahoo.com. And a fine day Thank to you, you too, someone. sir. Well, as I have said to you many times, Liza, this is what happens when you trash people's bike on the podcast. I mean, you know, there's well, but, there's no such thing well, as a wait, bad wait, bike. Wait, no, no, no. He's 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 trashing us because apparently we praised this. No, because it's apparently, do you know what the street seven fifty is? Bagel? That's the the Indian Harley, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, apparently. And, you know, I know it wasn't me, but apparently somebody in this podcast sent something bad about these Indian-built Harleys. Hmm. And they're not perfect bikes. They are flawed bikes, but that doesn't mean they're 
bad bikes. Mm-hmm. I thought the Street 750 was an Indian-built clone of the Honda Sh- Honda Shadow. Well, it's not <laughs> too far away. I mean, you know, but nevertheless, it, it has some redeeming qualities. And he took offence, and now he's written that email. So I hope you're happy with yourself, Liza. Are you happy with yourself? Yes. I knew you would be. <laughs> and I base that upon, I mean, the Street 750, um, The you're paying for the name Harley on a product that does not deserve the name Harley on it. It is um, it's a it's a cheap bike, and I say that based upon the resale values, and I say that based upon the chrome and the quality of a lot of the pieces well, that I've seen. On I don't bikes. think it's got any chrome on it. Um, I, I've seen I've seen bikes that were already like chrome was right. peeling. Um, just the it was just low quality bike. <laughs> I'm sure somebody loves their bike dearly, but I think you pay double for, as Henry says, for a Harley badge Honda Shadow. Built in India. There you go. (laughs) Well, try to stop upsetting people so, Liza. Do your best, darling. Bagel. Yes. What have you got there? Well, I have an email from uh, Chad from Texas. He's a Texan. Off you go, Bagel. And Chad writes, I have a question for the group. I usually ride cruisers with with belt drive and decided to add to the already full garage of bikes by purchasing a 2015 FJ09. That's mighty big talk, mister. It sits snugly in with the 2013 Victory Cross Country, the 1997 Honda Magna 750, and my wife's 2008 Heritage. I know the Magna is a chain. I bought it for my sons to ride. And even though I have cruisers, I wear all the gear. And I firmly believe in the AtGap principle. What sprocket and chain brand would you suggest for the FJ and the Magna, too? Because I'm sure that one will need a set before too long. I've been a listener since way before Norman Reedus, and your show has always been the start of my Monday morning. Oh, Keep up the great work on this, and I'll keep listening. One more thing. Fuck knock. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Paul is still talking shit on Mike. Oh, that's not... What's his name, darling? That is Chad from Texas. Chad, darling, I'm going to give you the straight dope. So, um, manufacturers don't make their own sprockets. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense. So, your Yamaha and your Honda do not have Yamaha and Honda sprockets on them. Mm -hmm. They're made by Sunstar. And so, if you... um, Just a bit of research. If you buy Sunstar sprockets... Boom. That's OEM quality right there. Mm. Um, and you can play around with ratios, but there's your sprockets taken care of. Generally, as long as you stay away from Banggood and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the days of truly gruesome chains are over. Are you saying that the, the foam sprockets don't work so well? Yes. <laughs> um, don't order the evil Knievel sprocket. <laughs> EK do a very good chain, as does RK, as does Subaki, as does DID. And basically, when you're looking for a chain, just look for a tensile strength. And, you know, when you get up into the the 530, the big chains, I mean, you're looking at tensile strength of 10,000 pounds a square foot. You know, these are are heavy-duty chains. And where do you fall in the rivet and clip debate? Oh, street, rivet. Mm. Street rivet. That's it. There mm. is no. So when you 
get a chain. If you haven't got a tool, just invest in a tool as well mm. and do a proper job. I mean, you can you can do a rivet link with mm-hmm. a couple of sockets and a little vice and then peen the end over. Yeah. But the best way to do it is with a tool. And if you've got two bikes that need a chain, buying a $50 tool, especially if you're dropping 100 bucks on a chain mm-hmm. per chain, you know, it's not a bad investment. Or maybe this isn't a bad idea to visit your local shop and let people who've done a lot of chains do it. If you have it's any kind of an important that. thing. Well, or, you know, the last thing you want is a 530X ring chain wrapping itself around your ankle. Right. Yeah. If you're uh, or not wrapping itself around what used to be your ankle. If you're not right. confident, I just want to, you know, support local shops. Oh, sh- for sure. Or, 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 yeah. I was going to say, or you can be like me and have both a rivet and a clip <laughs> on the same chain. Well, you wanted to cover all your bases, but the straight dope is Sunstar sprockets. They also make discs. They, the, anything that's round, Sunstar makes it. Mm. Um, and you can buy direct from them at very good prices. So Sunstar sprockets and just pick your chain. Um RK does a really good X-ring chain. And I have a question for myself. Uh, Y'all. This is just because you're talking about Sunstar. My bike doesn't use Sunstar. It uses AFAM. What do you think about AFAM sprockets? Um, They're quite a big European manufacturer. Mm. Um, I doubt whether you'd find them for Japanese bikes. Okay. I I think they mostly cater to the... uh, um, uh, Yeah, I was asking for myself if... European market. Rather than talking about brands, would you say steel, not aluminum? Oh, God, yeah. Right. Mm. There's very little... I, I've seen some of those aluminum rear sprockets. Oh, yeah. Because people get colors and they don't mm. hold up. Yeah. They do not. And, you know, for the street, you're going to save the most minuscule amount of unsprung weight. Mm-hmm. Don't bother. Just do steel for the front, steel for the back. Um, yeah. What do you think of those uh, new lo- those new sprockets that have aluminum base, but they have steel teeth around the edge? Oh, they're awfully jolly. <laughs> tell you what somebody appeared with a sprocket from um who is it from super sprocks a british company but it was actually made in poland hmm. and god it was gorgeous it was absolutely beautifully made hmm. i spent about an hour just looking at it and it was exactly the type it had an aluminum spider or should i say an aluminium spider mm-hmm. and then it had um steel teeth kind of permanently riveted to it it's a beautiful piece of engineering imaginable but you know it's kind of overly complex for what you need i mean if you compared that to a completely steel sprocket it may be weighed an ounce less Uh, i'm going to throw in my my two cents here in that by uh, pretty much uh, everywhere you shop you can find chain and sprocket sets buy a chain and sprocket sets that way you know you've got the right matching parts right and, Make know, it easy on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you there can you do that. And all the manufacturers actually do a chain and sprocket set. There you go. So I think you have one more email there. We do. And I, I've got a dilemma here. because. <laughs> so I gave this one to you to read because I thought it was funny. No, it is funny. In that, well, we'll get to that. But I don't know um, whether um, it's Debbie, mm-hmm. and a, who's a girl, or DB, who's a guy. What? Uh, yeah, I think it's a girl, Debbie. Let's go with that. Who has a name? What country D-E-B-Y. uses... D-E-B-Y. D-E-B-Y. Probably I Debbie. I think it's Debbie, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, well, 
if it is Debbie and you're a guy, I'm desperately sorry. I mean, you know, I want to be respectful, but it's Debbie and it's a girl. So, <laughs> hi, everyone. This email is mostly for Emma, but I'm sure y'all will have an opinion. Who do you think Debbie's from Texas? Maybe. I believe she is in Boise, Idaho. Oh, uh, famous potatoes. Yeah. You know, I have never met a famous potato I okay. bet you've eaten uh, let's some. just keep moving on then. Okay, very good. <laughs> I currently ride an 07 Honda VTX. That's okay. a very good bike. And do a lot of cross-country touring. Hmm. I constantly see dirt roads, and I'd like to explore because... Uh, but don't, because of the bike I'm on. Um, so I'm looking at the dual sport world. Kind of have my sights on a Triumph Tiger 1200 but I'm concerned about its comfort for the long-distance traveller and its height, since I'm not a tall person, 30-inch inseam, and that's a concern. I love the shaft drive I have on my VTX, so I naturally like that the Tiger's also shaft-driven. You all were going to talk about shaft-driven bikes a while back, but I never heard it. If you did. Well, we didn't. Oh. So we should. We don't have enough time to go too deep into it. I believe about 80 to 90% of the time, I thought she was going to say, I believe 80 to 90% of the shit you say in the other time. (laughs) (laughs) But she says, I believe 80 to 90% of the time I'll be on pavement with an occasional Mm -hmm. trip onto the Jeep trails here in the high deserts of southern Idaho. Um, all those trails I used to mountain bike on are beckoning me for the motorized two-wheel version. What bike do you recommend that would be great for occasional trail riding and still be comfortable touring? Thanks for the great podcast. Been listening from day one. So those those Tiger 800s are very popular. Well, she she's talking about the Tiger 12 because she likes a shaft drive. But she also said that she's kind of short-seamed. The I would buy... 12 is a lot of bike. Yeah, but... Yeah, but the Tiger 800 actually is a great bike. Mm -hmm. And I think before you chuck it under the bus, just because it's got a a chain, you should consider one. However, Tiger 12, put a lowering block on it, move the forks up an inch in the triple clamps. The, The thing is with the Tiger 12... They are just enormously comfortable. Mm. Mm-hmm. You could ride one across the country easily. Mm. Now, I'm not saying it's massively better than the Tiger 800. In a lot of ways, the Tiger 800 is a better bike. It's certainly a more nimble bike. Yeah. Um, but, God, that 1200 engine, that power is so intoxicating. And it's such a big, comfortable bike. Um they're actually not that tall when you sit on them. They're not, they're not, and they've got that two-position seat like your Africa Twin. So, unfortunately, we, we, we've run out of time. Really go deep into it. I would like to close with saying, um, if you're doing mostly road riding, that's the bike. And then if you are going to take it off-road, I would suggest taking a, an adventure riding class. There you go. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm doing, since I got that the big bike and Jim and I are taking a class with Jocelyn Snow because we want to have all the tools to know how to master the big bikes so that would be my best advice and um, Debbie or DB Debbie Debbie, write in and tell us if you're a boy or a girl please she's a woman right here oh there you go let me see I I stalked her on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) hi Debbie (laughs) all right yeah so and there's a picture of her with her uh, VTX fully loaded, so it looks like she does some some hardcore riding. Oh, very good. Okay, Debbie. Uh-huh. 
So yeah, um, yeah. By the Tiger to Explorer Twelve, it's a it's a brilliant bike. Or of course, my personal favourite giant shaft drive off road bike, Super Ten. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there you go. Tra-la-la. So we oh, have God, that is spectacular countryside, yeah, isn't it? Right. Wow. So um, we have time for one more announcement. Oh, Next yeah? week, you guys are not going to be here. No, nope. we're not. We're flying uh, the coop. If, yeah, you guys are going to be at the one show. I am laden down with evil Knievel socks, <laughs> motorcycles and misfits swag, mm-hmm. and Emma's Army stickers. And I've only got a few Emma's Army stickers, so you're going to have to be extra special and on your bestest behavior <laughs> if you want an Emma's Army sticker. And how does somebody get these items from you? Okay, so what you've got to do is you have to find me in the crowds. In the and the best way is to walk to the middle of the room and listen for, oh, hello, hello, hello. No. <laughs> Just keep your eyes peeled. I am quite distinctive. So um, keep your eyes peeled. If you run into me, come up to me and say, give it the beans, darling, and give me either a can of beans or a can of other food stuff. Do not give me a piece of beans on toast because we'll eat it and get even fatter. Um, and the idea is I'm going to collect up all this canned goods that you give me and donate it to the local food bank before we leave uh, Portland on Sunday. Lovely. And in exchange for the first five, the first five people who come up to me and say, give it the beans, darling, um, you will receive one pair and one pair only of Evil Knievel socks. You know, we can, if you get a lot of people giving you beans, we can give them each one sock. We could. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a limited edition sock. Um, Christmas stocking. But no, you will get a pair of Evil Knievel socks, which are a wonderful thing, and bound to put you into the next tax bracket, so you will be declaring them on your 1099. Um, But even if you're not in the first five, we have plenty of other good things to give you. Hmm. Um, So you're not going to leave empty-handed. Yeah, so there you go. Find uh, Emma. The other way to find her, she'll be surrounded by the idiots. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're actually flying out there on uh, Friday, and we're arriving in Potland on um, Friday morning. And so we'll go to the one show. And I think Fridays are mostly press day. It's just going to be for mm-hmm. us. Um, and then we'll be there for the opening on Saturday. And... Um, just enjoy. We'll do a little, little few uh, misfit shenanigans when we're there, yeah. and there'll be a lot of mischief and usual misfit stuff. But don't worry, the show will be going on here. That's right. Um, I've invited the the B team to come. Uh, Brandon, Morgan, the, uh, Henry. Hope you'll be here. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. There's plenty of misfits to go around, oh, so we are still going to be doing a show. And I've actually asked them to bring us uh, some some cool guests, hopefully with mm-hmm. great stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very good. You know, I was All thinking right. we need to get Craig back in here, and maybe we'll get him talking about yeah. the Defiant. That would be really cool. Be so, cool. speaking of the Defiant, actually, uh, you guys, we did get approval from Craig and Carol uh-huh. to redo the Defiant uh, 
at the Vetter Workshop. Nice. So for that idea that you guys were talking to Morgan about, I'd really like to see um, who would be interested in coming down to redoing uh, that Defiant. And I already see Bagel's interested. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, cool, Henry. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Hell That'd yeah. be awesome. And I'll get stuck in. I'll help. I'll help. Get Yay. It going. Nice. So we can't fail. Yes. <laughs> Wait, why did you say that? No, wh- you don't understand. Morgan asked me to get garlic toast this one time, and he's just like, go and get garlic bread, whatever it is. I came back with Texas toast, and he's like, literally, the only thing you could have possibly gotten to screw this up, you could not fail, you did. Anyway. Right, on that note, yes. So, guys, so that we will still be doing a show next week um, down all the a lot of the misfits, but there's plenty to go around. Right on. And we'll be taking the recordings you do there and uh, doing something special. Yeah, well. you know, we'll we'll interview the builders just as we did last time. Uh-huh. We've got um, camera equipment. We've got recording equipment. Um, it's going to be great. I am envious. And then you guys are going to have to come up with something the week after when I am gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two weeks of shit show. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that every week? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've gone over. We've gone over time. Thank you, everyone, for making it this long. Thanks for everyone who sends in the emails, even the one who called us fucktard or whatever it was. Well, you kind (laughs) of deserved it for being so mean. You know. It wouldn't be the first time in your life. I know. It's all right. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns on that one. Those bikes. I, I get accused of Harley bashing, and I always say it's not the bike; it's the rider. But in this case, it is the bike. the The street bikes. Uh, I I tried. They're 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 shit. Um, anyway, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. God, we appreciate it. Fire. Time to get out of here. Thanks again. This is Eliza. Brandon. Bagel. Emma Dolly. Henry. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. cool.